Hello everyone, welcome. This is Director's Club. I know, it's Jim again, uh, with yet another bonus episode here, um, which again is cross-linked over at VoicesVisions.net. Voices Visions is a podcast that I do sporadically when an interview comes my way uh, about a film or um, a actor or actress that I'm very excited to talk with. So please check it out. Uh, Of course, um, Patrick and I do get into that throughout the uh, preamble to our movie reviews contained in this episode. But I'm just uh, briefly expressing my gratitude uh, to everybody who supported Directors Club and Patrick uh, and the Now Playing Network over at nowplayingnetwork.net. So, you know, all the great podcasters, all the support, all the listeners, all the friends, family, you know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting, rather tumultuous uh, four decades for me as I'm officially now 40 years old. Uh, and certainly a lot has, a lot has happened that I would, I would say is, you know, a, a little bit on the, uh, um, the dark downside of sorts, but uh, there's so many good things to look forward to. There's so many upsides. There's so many, uh, you know, future endeavors that I know will utilize my creativity, but really it's it's been a wonderful journey in the world of podcasting, and hopefully Patrick and I will, you know, once in a while do something like this, uh, and I think you're really going to get a kick out of the game that we play, so stay tuned for that. Uh, this is really a very special episode, a special birthday uh, celebration of sorts. I mean, the best way for me to celebrate uh you know 40 years on this planet really is to podcast and uh go to the movies and have pizza so uh, like those are three of my favorite things in the world to do uh besides recording music and uh watching legion uh you know the the usual things and so there's there's just there's just a lot to be thankful for there's a lot to be excited for in the future um you know, there's a lot that is still processing as time has gone on. But really quickly, I, I just want to say thank you to Patrick for taking the time out to not only being a friend for the past 10 years, but a great uh, film colleague and podcaster, as well as the uh, Chicago Cr- Film Critics Association, the CFCA, which has been around for a very long time. Uh, the great Dan Geyer is the president and, of course, former Directors Club Yes, Eric Childress um, is the vice president, I believe, and uh, it's been uh, uh, another unexpected but exciting uh, path that I've uh, taken in that direction in terms of trying to uh, podcast and write about recent films and uh, receive some screeners and screening links and things like that. Uh, Certainly time-consuming with my current wonderful career, but... Uh, you know, as a teacher, I'm certainly trying to dedicate myself more and more to film. And exciting movies uh, being presented at the Chicago Critics Film Festival. Check that out at the Music Box Theater this week if you're around. Uh, lots of great critics, lots of former Directors Club guests are there in attendance because they are CFCA members and they're all really hardworking and very talented individuals, great writers. Uh, it's just an honor. It truly is. I mean, you know, I, I have a lot of words, but I'm going to uh, save them now and thank you again and, and, and try not to get sniffly. But uh, 
here we go with uh, another exciting bonus episode, uh, courtesy of Directors Club, Voices and Visions, and the great Patrick Ricole. Thank you, everybody. Here it is. who do not believe in a gender binary this is director's club you are not hearing the wonderful voices of brad and al right now because you're hearing the old hosts <gasps> we've come back they when they're on they talk intelligently at great length about great films but we're back on our bullshit it is i patrick rapole uh back from the dead uh and we'll cross the cross the room for me right now is none other than Jim Laskowski. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing great, actually. I'm 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 stoked for uh, this special edition, the special bonus episode. You know, we, we only get together when we have a reason. That's true. And uh, there's a specific reason in mind today. What's that? Um, I'm about to turn forty. Wow! This congratulations. Is this is weird. You did it. I know, right? So you are objectively all... way better at living than so many people. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> no, I don't know if that's true, but I'm uh, I'm doing better mm-hmm. in general, like career-wise. I'm sure. where I want to be, and uh, soon I mean, I'll be I, I out. met you when you were thirty. <gasps> yeah, that's right. Or, or possibly when you were twenty-nine and about to turn thirty, but mm. yeah, probably, probably. But like we met about ten years ago, you're better off now. Very much so, I would say. Yes, and we've seen every Tarantino movie in the theater since. That's true. And uh, we've started a podcast called That's Directors true. Club. We quit a podcast. We quit a we couple s- of podcasts. We started another podcast. We quit that podcast. Yes, um, and we host sporadically other podcasts. That's true. Yes, very much so. Uh, Voices and Visions is going strong once again. Got some interviews, and I'm very proud of Brad Silberling, director of Casper mm-hmm. and City of Angels. Uh, and I like that you started with Casper, though. That makes me happy. Uh, that's where he started. That's, is that true? Yeah, he started with Casper. That's pretty good. I liked Casper when I was young. I mean, I, yes, I was, I was what, seven? So I also enjoyed Casper and the Ghostbusters cameo inside of Casper. Yeah. Who are you going to call? Someone Somebody else. else. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. God, we have so many good memories about Casper. A romance between a live 12-year-old girl and a dead boy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to unpack that too much. I or maybe you s- do. Maybe that's what you should do in the interview. I don't know why. It's like I'm... really, like, he thought it was going to be a puff piece, but you really hold him to it. And you're like, why are you making this horrific uh, film? Well, I mean, I, I I mentioned to It was interesting because, like, most interviews, when you're talking to somebody who just directed a movie, you pretty much say, hey, what's with this new movie? What are you doing? Right. And I, it started out with, like, a good five or six minutes of, yeah, let's talk about. Uh, so you think City you're Vin Vendors, huh, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, just get yeah, you really took it to him. I did, and it was fun. And but I mentioned to him like, yeah, you know, Casper wasn't bad. You know, young Christina Ricci and mm-hmm. I believe Devin Sawa played Casper. Hell yeah, Devin Sawa played Casper. That was before the days of motion capture, though. Oh so my God. I think he just did the voice, and like the very end when he becomes a real Pinocchio ass real boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Casper. But then. Um, 
a, a very special interview came my way. And, you know, sometimes publicists will be like, hey, you want to interview this person? I'm like, oh, oh yes, you, you, you bet your booty I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, then sometimes it falls through. Um, I won't name names, of course, but... Barack Obama. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, no, not quite. Mm. James Cameron was one of them. Really? But, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um... James but, Cameron interviewing Barack Obama on Voices and Visions. Oh, man, if only. Mm -hmm. uh, David Letterman, of course. No, um, yeah, so I, I was, like, skeptical when I was told, you know, we might be able to get you an interview with Melanie Linsky. And I'm like, yeah, I've heard this before. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> one of my... notoriously elusive Melanie Linsky. Well, I mean, just, like, in terms of favorites Sure, sure, like mine. dream interviews. Yeah, yeah, more or less. And... So I didn't get my hopes up until, you know, they said, oh, guess what? In two days, it's on. And I went, uh, oh, my God. Okay. And then it happened, and it was wonderful. Yeah. And we, we had a great talk. She couldn't be nicer. And, uh, yeah, so I, I hope we get to talk more because she's had quite the career. Mm -hmm. And we didn't get to touch upon as much as I would have liked. But at the same time, it was a great, short, but sweet talk. You know what? You know what my favorite part of her career is? Mm. She's sort of friends with Paul F. Tompkins. That to me is the most impressive thing. Like, forget heavenly creatures. Forget no, you know, no, forget no, directing no, no. Well, she's like. Did Twitter. you listen to the interview? What she said towards the end? I did not. <gasps> no. You know who her best friend is? Who? Time for the reference. Stokely. Oh, really? Yeah, Clea Duvall is her awesome. best friend. God, that must be fun. I know. I bet I, they have some fun brunches. I want to go hang out with them together. Yes, please. Yeah, that would be fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that happened. What about Tracks of the Damned, Patrick? Tracks of the Damned has two episodes that have not been released in the main feed mm. because I'm working on them. One is basically done, and I just am too—I've just been too lazy to write up the the episode. But that's going to be coming out very soon. That's Martin that I recorded with Gabe Powers of DVD Active. Oh, that's um, a great, great movie. Absolutely. Great you know, guest. I just hit one of these knobs here. I think everything's fine, but make sure that I didn't just ruin everything. Patrick, don't be touching my knobs. I accidentally touched your knobs. I know it's my birthday, but you know, please. <laughs> you know, it's like, once you turn 40, you got to get your knobs checked. Uh, that's true. I've been told that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Uh, Martin, I decided to pick, A, my favorite George Romero movie, but more importantly, B, the hardest to see George Romero movie, notoriously out of print, but uh, it notoriously is not included in that special Blu-ray, right? Package. The Arrow box set they did because they, because uh, again, the guy who owns the rights to it is just kind of holding on to it real strong. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but at any rate, it is on YouTube, so it is something you could watch anyway. But uh, I'm happy about that. And then uh, I drink your blood. I recorded way back in like October. Oh, that's right. And yeah. I still need to. I'm still. I'm working on like this nice sort of NPR-style piece on exploitation films and uh, mm. grindhouse theaters, but, like, I just need to interview a bunch of people to do it, so... It's whatever. Uh, it's it's my 10 bucks a month. I can keep That's that true. feed... I can keep that feed as active or unactive as I like, so... Well, at some point, that will be on there. Yeah, and I'm putting together, like, a, a little updated website, so if you want to check out everything at VoicesVisions.net or... Uh, potentially another home like nowplayingnetwork.net mm -hmm. you should check out our shows there um, everything should be linked and of course there's a lot of great content that's true now yeah. we're here today it's like we're only here you're turning it's your birthday we wanted to do something nice together we sort of had to come up with an excuse to be in the same room and record something true and what was the idea that you eventually fell on well 
it was a hard decision, but I, I decided, I, I mean, I don't know where I get, I don't know which podcast, which movie podcast does this whole idea of assigning films to one another, but I know it's out there. I know it's been done. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it's bothering me now, but anyway, um, yeah, I just decided why don't we assign a movie to one another to check out for the first time. Right. You know, and just see where we land on it and uh, have a discussion about the film, why you chose it for me, why I chose it for you, and uh, just also, you know, have a different type of podcast episode than we have in the past because sure. we haven't done this before. I no, we haven't. Uh, these Something are... similar we did with The Master and Joe versus the Volcano, but that was like a... That was a bonus episode yes. we did. Yeah, you just those, those were you did assign those movies because you wanted to get my take on them. I don't, or you wanted me to give the master another shot. I yes. think in that case, but uh, I don't. Th- I think this is going to be more interesting than that because I think ultimately with Joe versus the volcano, it was I came down to a shrug. Um, Understandable. Um, but uh, so I have uh, so. For me personally, one of my goals for this year, it's something I've been doing, is trying to watch a ton of Asian cinema. I've just been sort of jumping all over the continent and uh, following different directors and, you know, watching a handful of movies by all different people, different time periods. Um, And not too long ago, I stumbled upon the uh, Japanese New Wave director of... And I'm going to say names throughout this episode that I'm probably going to mispronounce just because I'm not good at pronouncing Japanese. But... uh, Yasuzo Masamura. And Sounds good to me. He is uh, he is a, a director who was you know beloved by people like Oshima, who was um, I think uh, maybe is it Antonioni or was it it was uh, uh, Visconti or someone some key Italian filmmaker like hit one of his favorite film filmmakers. Um, not one of the better known, not one of the directors who like gets criterion releases and stuff, but he, he is known for sort of very lurid, uh, very bizarre, very, um, uh, emotional exploitation films. He did blind beast. Um, Mm. he did red angel and he did the film that I assigned to you, uh, to watch that I just saw for the first time this year, and I thought it was just terrific, uh, Manji from 1964. Manji. Yes. Uh, Not Jumanji. No. Uh, also known as Swastika, uh, I think, oh. uh, referring oh, to the yeah. Buddhist symbol, not yes, the yes, Nazi yes, yes, perversion yes, yes. of it, but perhaps the, the symbol does not come up in, in the film itself, and I don't know enough about Buddhism to know like what that title has to do with the film, but uh, and it has been remade in the '80s, so this is the 1964 version of Manji, and it is one of my favorite sort of discoveries from watching all these Asian films. Yeah, and I'm curious uh, what you thought of it. Well, I gotta say, when it first started out, and I heard the score and the fact that she is narrating this to somebody else, I kind of I got nervous. Uh huh. Um, I was like, um. <laughs> Did did my favorite director kind of rip this off <laughs> a little is this, bit? Is this is this is this maybe secretly where Phantom Thread comes from? Well, I know I know he's mentioned. Oh gosh, and I can't I can't remember the movie that came after Brief Encountered by David Lean, but it's something mm-hmm. Friends. Uh, but he he name checked that movie. As sure, a I mean, and certainly like that period. Certainly, British cinema yeah. in general, at least like visually, is a huge uh, influence on the Phantom Thread. Oh yeah, yeah, Rebecca, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, man, this one struck a, a really familiar chord mm-hmm. in terms of uh, the way it, st- it starts out, 
and then the sort of obsessive codependence that occurs between um, two artists of sorts, right? Or one, uh, no, wait, they're, an art, art, they're taking an art class. Yeah, they're basically. taking they're, an art. are housewives, art yeah. sort of taking a uh, night school sort of art class. Right. Yeah. Yes. And uh, again, I I do have a penchant for melodrama. I'm I'm actually surprised we never did Douglas Sirk together on yeah. the Actors Club. Because uh, I, f- I feel like both of us started off. I feel like when we started Directors Club in like 2010, we both had more like film dude bro kind of tastes. And I think we sort of crept into liking more melodrama, liking more yeah, yeah. like traditionally quote unquote feminine kind of interest films. Right. Like I don't think that really came to us until later. And I think maybe by the time we got there, we just didn't end up doing Douglas yeah. Sirk. Yeah. I, I, I guess like, I certainly wasn't like a Douglas Sirk person in 2010. I may have seen like two Douglas Sirk movies by the time, you know, I saw far from heaven maybe. Okay. Or maybe no, maybe it was after, like I saw him after because of far from heaven. Right. Exactly. And yeah, I, I really, really love melodrama, mm-hmm. and I don't mind when the score is raised and there's, you know, it's it's like you hear the strings. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, like really aggressive piano chords. Oh, yeah, really aggressive piano chords. And, of course, people just, you know, falling madly, deeply, passionately in love to a rather sometimes sociopathic degree. Yeah, like <laughs> emphasis on mad in this film. Yeah. This, is, this is not like... Oh, isn't you know? Isn't it terrible that our love is forbidden? Like this is so much weirder than that, and so much more extreme than that. Yeah, it was. It's very extreme, very subversive, very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, I again, like maybe it's because of my interest in Douglas Sirk, and also I'm a big fan of Carnal Knowledge, so I don't mind big confrontation scenes and big fights, and uh, sort of that intense domestic disputes that people have together so it's it's again it's about the psychology between uh, essentially a group of people maybe maybe mainly three uh-huh. in, in particular but yeah it's yeah it's it, there's there's three main ones and there but there's a fourth one as well who's yeah. who plays a significant role in the story it's i i should say i it was i first found it in the cult section of my video store and it is a, a, about a lesbian romance and so i initially thought like oh okay this is this is some like a pink movie this is uh this is a very this is going to be a lurid sex uh, sexploitation kind of a thing. There really isn't much of that after like the first 15 minutes. No, no, it, this isn't The Handmaiden. No, it's way closer to like the, it's, you, you've been naming dropping like Douglas Sirk and everything. And that is definitely the emotional stakes. But like in terms of like the form and how you can never guess what's going to happen next, it felt way closer to like The Servant. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And that's, uh, again, that's and, and right the up power, my alley. That, the power struggle, like the whole film is just about insane power struggles. Yeah, and I like that, you know, that sort of approach to any story, really, because, you know, I'm now teaching a screenwriting class and I'm really emphasizing conflict and mm-hmm. you need it. I Sometimes I feel like I do sound like Robert McKee a little bit. Right. But no, it's, yeah. you got to start somewhere where you're teaching yeah, students. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm taking the conventional approach because I am introducing a, a few things here and there that... You know, like obviously, maybe the Cohen brothers mm-hmm. could be considered a little subversive in the way they tell stories sometimes. Sure, but I, I just realized as this movie was going on, I didn't know where it was going to go, and I love that unpredictability. Um, I love the performances. I mean, certainly they're a little over the top, but yeah. the, the, the tone sort of, you know, requires that. Mm-hmm. And I, I found myself really in, in, enveloped in it. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, just like the. 
the self-destructive nature of love that can that kind of happens as the film goes yeah on. these it's a very claustrophobic movie yeah for um sure. it's like almost every shot is just way too close to people uh it's it's shot in scope so it's a very wide screen but everyone is just like pushed right into and there's always just like foreground objects that are sort of cornering people like it's there is like the whole thing takes place in like Three different locations, basically, yeah. almost entirely indoors with no could like be a play. Again. Yeah, yeah, it could very well, except for the editing style. Where, sure, sure. I mean, you can do a play where you're jumping around in time, but it's a little harder to convey in a play than it is yeah. uh, on film. But like, it, it's it's yeah, mostly like three locations, basically no outdoor shots, basically no establishing shots. It's it's these people are trapped in their passion, like it, and in their own mind. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and I do want to say, uh, because we started off uh, sort of implying it, Phantom Thread is not a ripoff of this movie. No, it's they're not. ultimately quite different. They they have similarities that like, and they kind of are playing around with the same themes and ideas. But ultimately, you could never say that Paul Thomas Anderson ripped off uh, Masamura. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I I do think just like these dynamics are familiar in these types of stories where mm -hmm. it's just somebody is falling insanely in love with somebody and then there's another party that's like intervening in some capacity and in the case of phantom thread you have the sister yeah cyril yeah, yeah and and i i just i don't know like just that setup mm -hmm. always seems to work for me because and also the you're guaranteed tension and it should be said that the thing the other thing these two have in common is they're very kinky yeah. <laughs> like, like especially towards the end of Manji, like the places they go with their relationship, I just my jaw dropped. I could not believe what I was looking at. It's so bizarre and so yeah. kinky. Yeah, and where they seem to go in their third act. I mean, like Phantom Thread happens way later. Yeah, but here it was like, oh man, you're you're doing oh oh god, you're you're. I don't know if I want to spoil it necessarily. I mean, yeah, we can talk about it a little bit. But you know, I, I mean, just the the tendency to be like, well, if this if this isn't gonna work or if it's gonna get to this extreme for us. We just have to end it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, oh, I mean, uh, the suicidal oh. tendencies that take place as a result of feeling this intense passion. And then the, the twist after that was another just like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. Like you uh, thought yeah. you thought like a suicide pact was dark. Right. Like somehow they make a suicide pact more dark than you think it would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, the way that's introduced in the film is just like is one of those moments I wish I just had a gif of. I'm not on social media, though, so I wouldn't really have much use for it but like just it is just someone bursting into a room and saying let's die and then it cuts to the other two people and they're just nodding yeah okay. <laughs> like i've had those days <laughs> yeah pretty much uh, but it's it's also a weird movie to watch after re-watching it's a disaster because oh really that's why how, that's how it ends oh no that's true yes <laughs> or maybe it doesn't right but, yeah, yeah yeah but uh, yeah that's the setup for that um yeah and i should say like it, i think the thing it is so overblown like the emotions of the film are kind of overblown and it and the, it's not naturalistic and the people don't act the way like they're not relatable characters really none of them are i i mean maybe you know there maybe there are people out there who are obsessive and would look at the story of sunoko and, and mitsuko and and like find that relatable or whatever but for me like the entry point is the aesthetic like i, mm. I mentioned before the scope photography um just like really trapping everyone. Uh, so there's that sort of claustrophobic feeling. Also the way it's edited is like jumping in time really quick. Cause there is that structure of, yeah. 
uh, Sunoco telling this story, story to yeah. a psychiatrist. And um, that even introduces some interesting aspects because it's sort of an unreliable narrator thing where you're getting her side of the story and you're getting her uh, sort of commentary over the events of what's happening. Sure. But then you're also like getting stories within stories, like when the husband and the uh, other guy, uh, Wada Watanuki, um, oh, okay, yeah. like when Watanuki reveals this contract that mm. the that he had made up for him and Sunoku to sign with their blo- like um and and then like so okay oh that was that was like it, he's like sucking the blood out of her oh it is such a beautiful and it, and like just as a visual representation of like like how restrictive and awful this like the idea of putting her like mad passion into this like rigid contract is like <laughs> him like coming at her with a needle trying to stab her finger is so good. But, like, you have that story within the story, and it starts to feel kind of labyrinthian. A little bit, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's really, it's a cool movie. (laughs) It is. It makes me want to watch more from this director. Absolutely. Um, I I, I managed to get Giants and Toys Mm -hmm. at a reasonable price, too. Yeah. Uh, Were you able to find this at a reasonable price? This is out of, the region one is out of print. I was, surprisingly, on eBay. Oh, uh, but it just took forever to get to me. Okay, yeah, that's right. You or, you got it last night, and there were power outages, so there yeah, was, was question really, of whether we'd really even get convenient. to record. Yeah, it was really inconvenient, but uh, thankfully I got to watch it. I was a little sleepy, but I still I still <laughs> found myself really into the film, and uh, I'm glad I got to watch it. And it, uh, again, I think it is it is totally up my alley. Uh, not necessarily relatable. Like there are there are themes, there are things, and there are ideas. I mean, again, I'm probably biased, but. I'm. I find myself more relating to the world of Phantom Thread than so that. This so one. so but, I, I. I did want to talk a little bit because I know you've been sort of dying to like talk with me about well, Phantom I, Thread. I. I. I I'm, I'm at peace. With right. The fact I, that I think we sort it. of. Right. Yeah. I think I don't think either of us are necessarily trying to convince the other, but I do wonder, like, what is it? Because for me, like, the reason I thought this would be an interesting movie to show you is this movie to me is a demonstration of the thing that I wanted from Phantom Thread, which is. I wanted it to be more unpredictable and I wanted it to get crazier and keep ramping up. And the thing in Phantom Thread that feels the most like this movie is like the last scene of the Phantom Thread. True. And like to me, that is the best scene in the Phantom Thread. And that was like what I wanted more from of the movie. But it also makes you think of the rest of the movie in an interesting light when that finally happens. I mean, maybe if... You're right in that, like most of the things that happen up until that point are pretty straightforward, pretty conventional. Right. This the sim- similar dynamics that you would expect in a melodrama mm-hmm. occur. Um, and I guess like I, I just don't mind like uh, you know Paul Thomas Anderson's take on Rebecca or a Douglas Sirk movie in the same way like I don't mind his take on you know um, like a like a Raymond Chandler meets Big Lebowski mm-hmm. with Inherent Vice. You know, or you know, even to some degree, a Kubrick movie with "There Will Be Blood." Um, but I, I just, I, I like, I, I, it's just a weird feeling I get from Phantom Thread while I'm watching it. Sure. And it could just be like the way when it when it opens, and that me- that score kicks in, and this nice little montage. I mean, the, as an audio visual, yeah, sort of experience, like the aesthetics of the Phantom Thread are unimpeachable. Like, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. For sure. and, and, I, and in a way that 
you know, granted we're watching sort of old DVDs of, of this film from 1964. So like it's possible the original print or whatever was beautiful, but like this movie does not have the sort of sunlight coming sure. through windows yeah, and just yeah. impeccable photography. Like it's much more about the frame and about space than it is about of course, sort of beautiful you see light. Phantom Thread in the big screen and seventy millimeter that helps. Yeah, yeah, no, but absolutely. I don't know. I mean, I've I've had this conversation with you many times and mm -hmm. other people as well. There is just something that's really hard for me to put into words when I watch a Paul Thomas Anderson mm -hmm. movie, that like. I imagine I part of it is like the rhythms, yeah, of the because especially like the post Boogie Night or, or the post, uh, I guess Magnolia kind of films. Like, yeah. there's a rhythm to them that is like a little disjointed in a way that sort of keeps you on your toes, even if like the story itself is a little predictable. Like, right, right. The way we'll edit from one scene to another or hold on a shot a little too. Like, I, I think there's that's, just interesting choices yeah. that he makes that I just. They click with me, and I never, like, have that, oh, I don't know if I like that part as much. I usually like the whole thing, and, mm -hmm. you know, it's great to have, I, I'm waiting, I'm actually waiting for that experience with the Paul Thomas Anderson movie where I'm, like, more objectionable about, uh -huh. like, maybe I'm not going to like this, or maybe. Have you tried rewatching Heart 8? Um, yeah, that's probably the only one. <laughs> that movie is you know, really... It's okay. Like, I mean, there, apparently there's, like, the behind-the-scenes reasons for why, like, it feels kind of unfinished. The commentary is better than the movie. I, but, I believe you it. Know, um, I, I just, like, respond to his choices, mm -hmm. very much so. And Phantom Thread, I really get caught up in it. And particularly once, like, the... What, what he's trying to go for, not only with the codependence theme, but also just echoes of the mother beings i mean i know that's like it's pretty it's hitting it pretty hard pretty mm -hmm. obvious when she actually appears as a ghost yeah and then um alma walks in the door right. and then suddenly she disappears and I, I realize that's like hitting it heavy on the head i mean and he's already sort of acting like a little boy like yeah, yeah like yeah. yeah like you know where it's going right uh the idea of like love being nurturing and comforting and like when you're sick there's somebody there i guess there's something about like sickness and illness too, because I've been through a lot of it. Sure, that's fair. You know, so I mean, again, a lot of projection, but yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time, well, in a good way. And I, 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 everyone is projecting when they watch movies, yeah, that's unless true. they are just like watching Stan Brackett shit or something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, and even then, probably. I've definitely, I've definitely felt like, a, a, like not to the extreme, the kind of of obsessive love that's portrayed in both films, but. I, I just I I feel more at home I guess yeah. in, in in the world of a phantom thread but sure. I, I I respect and I I I'm eager to watch this one again yeah too. yeah giants and toys is interesting I'm I'm curious have you seen like will success spoil uh what is the rock hunter I don't think so uh or any of those like Frank Tashlin girl can't help it kind of uh like 60s comedies it's not like pillow talk and stuff it's it's, a, yeah that's that's sort of the same ballpark okay i probably have uh because giants and toys feels like a really weird japanese new wave version of those or like how to get ahead in business without trying or something like that huh. like like it's this kind of light frothy weird satire of the business world really um okay. and it's it's bizarre. Like it's it's a it's worth seeing because it's just so strange. I I found it really hard to get into, mm -hmm. but like you you watch it like, <laughs> like you, you again like you don't know what to expect. I don't know why I was getting like a Jacques Tati vibe from it. Maybe um, it's just the cover. Like, yeah, I not thought, really. I wouldn't okay. say that. It's it's way more abrasive uh, okay. than that. I would okay. say. 
uh, especially in sort of the editing style. But um, I'm curious about it. And plus, it was relatively affordable. Yeah, so like, yeah, no, no, no. It's it's interesting. And then the Blind Beast is something Gabe Powers actually is a really big fan oh, of. Really? And okay. I found that a little harder to get into. But that is a hilarious sort of super overblown uh, artist. It's like artist muse where this man kidnaps this this blind man kidnaps this woman and like needs to sculpt her but like it's the most obviously like you're just like a pile of shit like it's the sort of way that like male artists are abusive of their female muse and it's like oh "Oh, it's because he's a genius like that movie is like a hilarious satire of that because he is like the most abusive possible which means he's like kidnapped her and is tying her up and everything but like He's also just like a piece of shit artist. Like he's not like a genius, and the movie doesn't really present him as a genius. Um, it's, uh, I would say, Blind Beast also has some things in it. Uh, I almost kind of think you should just sort of see them for yourself uh, and and enjoy the surprise of them if you end up seeing Blind Beast. Uh, there are some things in that movie that are just jaw dropping, and you can't believe what you're seeing. Um, that. I, I haven't seen enough Masamura to really like nail down what his thing is. And I haven't seen enough other Japanese new wave filmmakers to like contrast him to them or whatever. But yeah, uh, I, I, I love that experience of, I can't believe what I'm, what I'm watching right, right now. Yeah. And I feel like I'm getting that every week with Legion, <laughs> especially in the second season. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm telling you this show, I, spe- I realize when it okay, finishes, when it's done and you can tell me it's a good show. Then I will. Then I'll give it a shot. Well, I, I realize what you're saying, especially with the pilot, that maybe the characters don't intrigue you that much. Yeah. However, visually, I mean, aesthetically, like I just, I, I think it looks. I, I, it's amazing. If, if, if you can, <laughs> if you will allow me to talk shit about Legion for a second, you like can, you I can. think it just looks like a fucking music video. Like it just. Maybe I don't mind that. Maybe like the. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily mind it either. I, it doesn't. It, I don't find it repellent, but I just don't find it that interesting because it just feels like. That music video, sort of any visual idea you possibly have, just throw it at the wall, and whether or not it's coherent or t- helps tells the story, it doesn't matter. Like that's, and again, like that I've is, had, yeah, okay. I've had Legion on at work, so I haven't sat down and given it my full attention. And especially that pilot episode, if you're not giving it your full attention, you basically don't know what the fuck's going yes, on. Pretty much. So that's probably true of the whole show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not a background. There's a lot of TV shows that I can just put on at work and follow perfectly because they're basically just radio. Yeah. And Legion is not that, and I'll get well, I mean, to its credit. I'll I, say that I can easily see it being labeled as pretentious or hard, very hard to follow. And mm-hmm. maybe it goes up its own ass, but it, it's doing it in the right ways for me, and in an interesting way, right? And in a psychological way, so I, I don't find it. The thing I'm annoying. Main, <laughs> the thing I mostly resent in all television, though, is the there's some mystery here that we're going to tease you and we're going to give you a little bit more info, but you're not quite sure what's going on, and that feeling of like once I figure out what's going on, this is all going to be great, like that. Te- that endless tease That's, of like that was the- lost <laughs> right yeah no exactly i also turned lost off after four well, episodes yeah i mean and i didn't yeah i didn't even get to the part where lost gets weird <laughs> i guess i mean i like a good mystery and you like Ag- mm-hmm. agatha christie stuff and well, that's, that's like a, that's a simple i like, like the mystery. world of agatha christie i like and also you know that the thing's going to be wrapped up by the end of the episode there's that's no true. like that's four true. season agatha christie thing that just goes on and on um, I also like Twin Peaks, but like that is because Twin Peaks, uh, at least when it was good, was and I haven't <laughs> seen the new Twin Peaks, so maybe that this extends to that. But like when it was good, the new Twin Peaks or the twi- the old Twin Peaks, like the first season, 
was just exquisitely directed and had amazing actors and amazing characters oh, yeah, and this sure. great world and unifying aesthetic that I enjoyed spending so much time in. The mystery was just an excuse for the world as opposed to I need to find out who killed Laura Palmer. I didn't care who killed Laura Palmer, really. Yeah, I guess I don't really care about the mystery of Legion as yeah. much as like I find it really like unlike anything I've seen. Uh-huh. And so, sure. you know, what I mean, maybe you could make that argument that it is tapping into the um, the love I had for the music, vid- like the Mark Romantic music videos yeah, exactly. of the 90s Yeah, that's or exactly something. the kind of aesthetic I'm thinking. So... But that to me is okay. Except even like <laughs> you look at the music video for Closer, like Closer feels well, more yeah. aesthetically tied together than th- the episode of Legion that I saw. But sure, I, that's fine. I don't, I don't, I'm not in a place where I can like throw I fucking rocks feel, at Legion because I, I didn't watch it. So. I feel like it's daring in an interesting way, but I'm just saying when it's done, you and you still feel the same, and you're like, yes, that was a great journey to go on. Then I'll gladly just start, sit down, and watch it properly. Yeah, I, I I'm I am concerned at this point though of like, this could this could be you know this could be like Hannibal where it's like by by the third season it's just so far gone that I'm like mm-hmm. what is even happening yeah and I don't care as much as I used to sure we'll see mm-hmm. anyway there is something I care very much for what's that that is a, a film by Jeff Nichols mm. and uh, he's a filmmaker who made such classics <laughs> as Loving Midnight Special. Uh, Shotgun Stories, Mud, which tends to be a lot of people's favorites, I'm finding out. More really? More. Mud? Even even though it's, to me, like the most conventional of all of his films. Yeah. Um, I guess it's maybe the most narratively... Sa- I, it's, a, it's a satisfying story. So I've seen all of Jeff Nichols' movies at this point. You saw Mud? I Mud was the only one that I just put on at work, but it was a slow day, so I was mostly able to just watch it. Okay. I, what I'll say about Mud is Mud is the only film Jeff Nichols has made where I didn't know the ending within five minutes. Okay. So I think that might <laughs> so like <laughs> that might be something. But anyway. Yeah. No, I mean that's like that's Mud fun. feels like something unfolding in front of you instead of like a premise dutifully explored. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I. I realize that, like, you know, his films move rather slowly and maybe you can piece them together rather, you know, well by the time, you know, certain things happen. Or at least in the case of Midnight Special, I'm forgiving mm-hmm. <laughs> about where it decides to go and I'm I'm more or less in- emotionally invested enough to be like, okay, maybe that's not the best conclusion to the story. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with it. I've come to terms with it. Sure. Um, I do like, I do like the simplicity of his storytelling in the same way like early David Gordon Green films. And I think they were colleagues. Maybe they worked together at some point. I would believe that. That makes sense to me. I think so. Especially the early. I mean, I think they use the same composer at least at mm-hmm. some points. But uh, what's the one uh, Jeff Nichols film we haven't mentioned yet? Well, it happens to be my favorite of his. And uh, again, it's it's for personal reasons, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, has one of my favorite performances um, by an actor, Michael Shannon, of course, who stars in Take Shelter. Mm -hmm. And it'd be funny if you're like, it's the one with Michael Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) I probably should have done that. It would be funny. But anyway, um, he's not loving, is he? Yeah. He plays a photographer. Oh, that's right. He plays that fucking photographer. Yeah. God, he's in all of them. I know. God bless him. They're match. They're like a. They are a match made in heaven. Michael Shannon and Jeff Nichols. Yeah. They they complement each other pretty mm-hmm. well. I would say. That just sort of like blue collar offbeat masculinity. 
Yeah. yeah. That's Jeff Nichols' thing. Yeah. And I don't mind that. I kind of like it, actually. Yeah. And, you know, when I when I walked into Take Shelter for the first time, I, I don't know. I can't remember if I'd seen shotguns. I probably had seen shotgun stories. And I was really interested in this because I just, you know, a lot of it had to do with Revolutionary Road and Michael Shannon becoming like a powerhouse for me. Like just, mm-hmm. I got to see everything this guy does now. Did you see Bug? Yeah. Oh, I think I saw Bug by that. Yeah. Point. Bug yeah. was the one. I mean, Michael Shannon had been acting since way before Bug. Oh yeah. He's but been a Chicago. That, that's one of the funny things. Or yeah. I mean, yeah, he was, you know, he was in part of the Steppenwolf theater and all that, but like, if you go back and you'll watch movies and you'll just like watch Cecil be demented or something, and Michael Shannon is just driving the, <laughs> driving the van screaming about something, it's like one of the great things is or, or Groundhog's Day, obviously. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, like yeah, Michael Shannon early Michael Shannon cameos are just delightful. Yeah, I I just I, he's just one of the most compelling presences on screen for me in general, um, and well, I mean I, I've always had this concern and this fear of like. Okay, you know, I know I know mental illness runs in the family. I know my mother struggles with depression. How is this going to basically become a part of my life? How am I going to deal with it? How am I going to struggle with it? And so this movie is kind of about a man coming to terms with the fact that he's going to, you know, uh, disintegrate mentally to some degree. And what... what well, but, but also, like, it's... Th- Maybe he won't. True. Like, there is a. There is a. True. Yeah. Maybe he won't become his mother. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, that's the, the, that, which makes it because if it was a foregone conclusion, that would be like a much different movie. Yeah, but like you know, when the symptoms start. I mean, again, illness stuff. Right. Like yes. when the symptoms start flaring up, and he's trying to become his own, you know, detective and figure out like by going to. I just like the fact that like. He's going to the library. What a practical blue collar thing to do. It's just like, I'm going to go to the library. <laughs> Is that a blue collar thing to do? I, well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but like, he, uh, like, a, like a. You never regular... see a CEO of a Fortune 500 company at a goddamn library. I don't know if I have, actually. No, that's true. But I've seen regular Joes, man. Mm-hmm. Guys in, you know, who work construction hanging out at the library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. You read that new fucking Janet Ivanovich fucking novel? <laughs> I couldn't guess the ending. It was terrific. Very good. Sorry, go ahead. But uh, yeah, and I think this is the first. This might be the first time I saw Jessica Chastain. I th- I thought yeah, she was very good. That makes sense. Um, but as this movie, and also, you've I think you've known this from about me for a while. I I, I have this weird thing for thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. Like I really like get involved like i start texting everybody guys there's a storm coming you know so i get really into that and i like that imagery and i realize maybe it's a heavy-handed metaphor to some degree for the film but it works for me here as well and also just like the fear of how is this going to affect the family so take shelter for me is it remains one of my yearly rewatches that i find myself really 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 just emotionally riveted by and um, there's a scene in particular where Michael Shannon finally externalizes all of his rage and to some degree and, you know, trying to come to terms with what's happening inside of him as opposed to like internalize everything. It just sort of all bursts out in, in public, no less. That's really intense. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, we can talk about the ending if you want, but uh, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, and I still really, really, really 
think it's one of the better movies about dealing with mental illness and 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 try to figure it piece it together in some way mm-hmm. so i the reason you assigned it to me is because i had not seen it yeah there's a few movies like from our past like best of episodes i'm like patrick still hasn't seen piece of the southern wild that's true patrick hasn't seen this i think there's a few more mm-hmm. but but yeah this was one in particular. I'm, I was like, I, was I will wondering. say this: I am. I there are movies that I choose not to watch, and then I go back and watch them, and I'm like, oh, what an idiot! Like, I would have loved this. Like, I don't know why I didn't see this when it was in theaters or whatever. I am pretty good though at sort of reading between the lines in what even like in glowing reviews of something, and sort of figuring out whether or not I would be into that something. I don't generally see too many movies that I hate uh, that are critically acclaimed, unless I. And, I mean, when and when I do, I'm often going in fully expecting that to be a possibility because of whatever. So, like, I, I don't, I still don't think I would really like Beasts of the Southern Wild, and I couldn't really tell you why. I just there's, I've heard, just read enough about it, the things that people like about it. I don't think I'd be into, but maybe I'll watch it at some point. Uh, I think you might. I mean, I do see a you like George Washington by David Gordon Green. I'm not saying that they're the same right. film, but they share some similarities anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what is Patrick thinking? Or what is Patrick thinking right at this moment? Um, what are your thoughts on Take Shelter? It was all right. It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm glad it's that, but still. I like it more than Joe versus the Volcano. Thank God. Um, yeah, so you you asked me specifically. I write a review uh, for, with ev- of every movie I see on Letterboxd, and you specifically asked me not to indicate my feelings about this movie because you want it to be a surprise. And then I was, like, thinking about that buildup of being, like, I don't know how I could, like, deliver this news in a surprising way because I feel like even the things you were just saying before, you're kind of expecting me not to be into it. Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, it's like... I, I I didn't really intentionally want to replicate the the say anything experience, but that's how uh-huh. we did that. We I I had no idea if you were gonna like say anything. Yeah, I really like say anything. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, should I? I mean, I should probably just start with what I think is good about it. Like, I think Michael Shannon's performance is really good. Um. I think Jeff Jeff Nichols and I have a weird uh history. Uh, which is we used to be lovers. No. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, when I was like 18 or whatever, um, this is 2007, so I was probably 19. Um, I, uh, I got tickets to a bunch of screenings at Ebert Fest, um, which is a film festival that Roger Ebert used to put on in Urbana, his hometown, uh, in central Illinois. And I, maybe it's still put on there by. Yeah, it is actually. And the people at ebert.rogerebert.com and stuff like that. But like. So I got a bunch of tickets to see movies, and one of them was Shotgun Stories. And I just read, like, the little paragraph blurb in the program about Shotgun Stories. And I said, this movie sounds, like, fucking dope. In my head, I was thinking, like, a really, like, hardcore crime movie because of that name. But, like... Reservoir oh. Dogs. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I got these tickets, and then I told my parents, like, the 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 week of, that I'm like, by the way, I, I already talked to Courtney. She said I could borrow her car. I'm going to Urbana for the weekend. So I could see these movies. They're like, no, you're not. <laughs> and and I, I fought hard, but they did not let me go to Urbana. So I had to refund all my tickets and I didn't get to see Shotgun Stories. And in my head, Shotgun Stories was like the coolest. Like it only became greater and greater. Like it started off as like, 
oh yeah, it's probably better than every Coen Brothers movie. And that just became oh, like, it'd probably be one of my top five of all time. And eventually I saw Shotgun Stories and I said, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Shotgun Stories is probably still my favorite Jeff Nichols uh, movie because mm-hmm. I think it is the, it most captures the thing Jeff Nichols is really good at, which is just uh, an obsessive attention to detail, um, especially about sort of environments and uh, the South. Um, Take Shelter takes place in like Indiana or something like that. I believe so. Um, yeah, I don't think it takes place in Texas. It doesn't. It does. And uh, Shotgun Stories is like Oklahoma or something like that. And uh, so, and Oak, and I think Shotgun Stories just has an amazing attention to detail, and it's. It is almost entirely disinterested in the crime sort of revenge tale that it's setting up. Like it, it mostly just uses that as an excuse to explore these people and their lives and the sort of, you know, weird, uh, the, the the sort of weird aspects of their lives that lie in the periphery and like the guy who is covered in bandages because he blew <laughs> up his meth lab and like yeah. he's, he's looking to park his car somewhere. Like there's a weird sense of humor the guy who's the like kids basketball coach and he's like trying to figure out all these plays and he's obsessed with all the best basketball players who came from Oklahoma and like there's just a really cool sense of place in shotgun stories and I think that is what Jeff Nichols was really good at and I think he got less good at that with each successive film small town family tension is I mean yeah they're all about they're all about that world but they just got less detailed and less observant, maybe partially just because more and more movie stars ended up in them. And you're just like, I, when you watch shotgun stories, like even after Mike Lachan's a star, like he just disappears. He just is another character. He's not, it's not a big movie star performance. Yeah. Like Matthew McConaughey's fucking Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> like he, more he's not just some like small town crook who, you know, who's on the run. Like he's fucking Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Uh, Midnight special, uh, you know, it's same thing. It's just like, uh, there's just a le- less of a sense of detailed observation in each successive movie. There's still enough of that in Take Shelter that I really enjoy that. Um, and there's just little details, again, on the periphery of the story in terms of the the deaf daughter and the um, Jessica Chastain's character who sells these, uh, what does she make, like pillows? Or, yeah, yeah. Like, like she hand stitches pillows at, yeah. a, at a flea market and stuff like that. And they're that they're saving that money to go on this vacation. Like the, the, the details of their lives I find really interesting. And he is, he does a good job. He does. He's maybe one of the only directors who does this, which is he can capture that sort of lower middle-class blue collar life without like raising it to the level of like, these people are fucking saints. They're perfect. (laughs) Wonderful. This is what America is. You fucking asshole who lives in the city. You don't know what real life is like. Like these people who drive trucks do like he never really dips into that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, He is like that sort of respect for that world of masculinity without like worshiping it is actually really rare Mm because you get a lot of the latter in a lot of films uh, and I always find it off-putting, and he doesn't do that. Like the these people are interesting people on their own without being like great, perfect men, American fucking. You know, like yeah. I really. So there's that. Um, I think it's pretty good at telling a story about mental illness. I think the thing about it is that. So to, to as like a counterexample, what Jeff Nichols does 
in Take Shelter is he has four or five nightmare sequences that are clearly nightmare sequences from the time they start, even though they each kind of like have a surprise ending, like, oh my God, he, it was all a dream. Like, you know, they're yeah. a dream. You know, like, you know it from the start because they're just suddenly shot differently. And the whole thing is about he thinks the storm is coming. We don't think that the storm is that he thinks is coming is going to come 25 minutes in the movie. Like, that's just not True. how movies are structured. So, like, we know that they're all dream sequences. And then he wakes up and he's scared and, or, and paranoid about the people around him. And those sort of nightmare sequences become the literalization of the sort of creeping paranoia and mental illness that he has. You compare it to something like what Peter Weir does in The Last Wave, where he, you are watching someone who's paranoid and takes shelter. You are paranoid in The Last Wave. That's true. When, like, the the hailstorm at the schoolhouse and, like, the way the water, like, falls down the steps at the beginning of The Last Wave, like, stuff like that, like, you begin to feel the creeping dread of this storm that is coming to wipe you off the face of the earth. Yeah, or and, even something like Fearless, there's not really, like, dream sequences to... It's more like the the flashback structure of being on the plane with, with Jeff Bridges' character, I think. Uh, there's, like, I mean, that's capturing, like, the post-traumatic stress right, yeah. world. Yeah, I, yeah I, th I think, yeah, Fearless is also another good example of you are more experiencing what this person is experiencing as opposed to watching someone experience it. Yeah. The other thing is just, I know like, dream sequence Jeff maybe Nichols a little is bit, not, but like, he's just not a horror director. Like, he just, those sequences that are supposed to be scary, they're not. Um, I think one of them is a little scary just because, and this is my own theory. Sure, sure. <laughs> but um, when he's riding in the car, in the truck with his daughter, mm -hmm. and, you know, there's a storm going on, they get into a little car crash or whatever, um, suddenly people start, you know, yeah. surrounding and pounding on the on the truck and everything, and then eventually they break open the, the glass and drag them both out of the car. My, my theory was always... Maybe that's his parents that are dragging him out of the car. Um, his mother and his father that are dragging. What, what is the basis of this theory? Well, basically because he's 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 ha he has this intense fear of turning into them. He of turning into his mother. Yes. I don't know where the father <laughs> comes into play. But I, I, thought it, maybe, I thought it looked like a generic zombie maybe, movie scene. Maybe his maybe his both of his parents had mental illness. I know we don't have any proof of the father i also but, like i think the the idea that they wouldn't even imply the father had mental illness like i think you can say the it's the mother who has mental illness yeah yeah like everyone knows his mom is the one like sure like maybe there's some other fucking crazy uh woman under the influence like john cassavetti <laughs> story where like the father's just as crazy but because of institutional reasons no one realizes it but like True. there's nothing in the movie i know that projects that so like it's his mother who's the one he's afraid of turning into i don't know like, like that's been random people that scene, who did that that but. scene in particular just felt like a like a scene from the walking dead or something yeah, like it just felt like I a can, random i can see that i think but the, it worked for me. I, it feels like highly schematic of the, he has a vision of his dog attacking his daughter and then he has to put his dog out and then he has a vision of his best friend attacking him and then he has to like separate himself from his best friend. And then he has a vision of his wife attacking him and like, it just gets really repetitive. It's a, the other thing is it's a two hour movie. This movie does not need to be two hours. You're probably right, but it doesn't feel two hours. This movie, I felt the two hours. This movie is laborious for me. That was the thing, like... I I like the parts where it subverts it because you like there are parts where you think you know 
in little beats how the story is going to go, and it subverts them a little bit. Like, you think he's not going to get help because he is this sort of withdrawn, internalized, like, man, and he's just not going to ask anyone. He's not going to get help for this potential mental illness, but he does. Yeah. He, like, he... Goes to the doctor, you know, in goes some to ways, the family. In some ways, he deals with it irresponsibly, but in some ways, he, he doesn't deal with it as irresponsibly as, say... Uh, um, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, uh, Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, Richard Dreyfuss in Close Encounters of the yeah. Third Kind. Like, true. Like he, there's there it like that or the idea that you know he loses his the when when she goes to the fucking insurance agency to to finally get so their deaf daughter can get this uh, surgery so she can hear and they're like. And they say, you know, you're you're lucky that your husband has his job. Most most uh, health insurance won't cover this. It's like, well, I know what's going to happen now. You fucking tipped your hand on that one, Jeff Nichols. And sure enough, he loses his job. But the idea that like she's they still are basically able to get her the surgery. They're just like, okay, this is going to be really hard. You really fucked us over, but this is important. So we're going to extend her health insurance. Like. This isn't the scene of me tearfully leaving you and getting the kid in the yeah. car and driving away. Like That's what I was expecting to Exactly. Happen. So there's like little ways that he subverts it. But you know how this movie ends. There either is a storm or there isn't. And then by the time you get to the part where there is a storm or isn't, you so know that there isn't going to be a storm that that whole super long scene in the storm shelter... Like, I just knew where it was going from the beginning where she's like, you have to be the one to open the door. It's like, yeah, I got it. And then, but, know, but then like it just that. goes on and on and on. And, and like, yeah, it is a really on-the-nose metaphor it is for a very his mental illness where it's like a storm that literally makes people turn on him. Like, yeah, like that is so over – like it's so on-the-nose that there's just not a lot of interesting nuance to it as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um this probably played differently in when this came out, like 2010. Yeah. Probably came out. This probably played a little differently in 2010, but I just think like the CGI, like the birds especially are bad. Uh, so that like hurts the evocative imagery of the storm. Uh, I think some of the CGI is pretty good, but like the, the furniture floating up and the birds like felt like a uh, cheap bloom house, uh, sort of uh, insidious sort of effects. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, again, like you're talking about attention to de- I, I also just how true it is for people to not be able to afford a, re- a referral because like either they live or, you know, they're way out of town or they're way too expensive, sure. you know, like little things like that. And then the brother coming by to try and, you know, reason with him. That seems like a very, and plus just the obsessive also, nature of him. But like all, suddenly. but those aren't, but those things aren't surprising details because that's the world it's about is this lower middle class money is an actual concern sort of a story they're telling. So you're waiting for money to become a concern. They're talking about yeah. money. You know, money is a concern. So you're waiting for that to play into the story. And that's how, and then it does. Like well, maybe it's A to B to C storytelling, but I think it's, effective that way i don't know i mean again like if this i think most of my problems with this movie wouldn't be if this movie was like 90 minutes but at two hours like i could have done with two dream sequences instead of five i could have done with like a four minute scene in the storm shelter instead of like a 12 minute scene in the storm shelter definitely could have done without that ending which is just a meaningless like you thought you knew where it was going well i twisted it on you because twilight zone like that I don't really see it as a I, twist. I find it meaning. I find it just a meaningless excuse to have some sort of surprise happen at the end. 
is it really a surprise? Yes. An actual storm. No, that's that's not actually happening. It's a dream. And in this dream, no the family is there by him, uh, by his side to see What him what evidence it. do you have that it's a dream? It's just a guess. <laughs> okay, it doesn't play like a dream cuz they show cuz they already they, they go through the A to B the C storytelling steps to make sure that you know that he's actually going to that place. It's not a story about him happening to him in his home like the rest of the dreams. It's not like it's a longer than most of the dreams. It doesn't have the same feel as it's not I do not see it as a dream at all. And I think so if they it, went on, they went to the beach? Yeah, like they said they would at the oh. doctors. Oh. <laughs> okay. But I I I don't know. There's the scene where they're like, "Well, we weren't we like you should get away from that storm shelter." And they're like, "Well, we were going to go to the beach, but then we canceled it." And it's like, "Well, that would probably be a good start." Hmm. And then it shows them at the beach. Okay. And then it specifically shows the daughter seeing it before him and him stopping to make sure that his wife sees it as well and they all see it. That doesn't feel to me that's and that's in the distance. It's not a storm on them that makes like that's just yeah. it feels so separate from the dreams. It feels like a twist ending that you put there because the rest of the movie was so predictable that you want the audience to not have said that they guessed everything. Like, but it feels very arbitrary, which it's like it doesn't ruin the movie for me. I read some like reviews where that like is such oh, a sticking yeah. point for some Lots people. Of people. Hate it. Yeah, I I think it's a bad ending, but it's like whatever. Like the story was already told, you know, and then they put a carry ending on there. Fine, hmm. but um, I don't I don't know. I just I, I mean watch it watch find, it again. I found it comforting. <laughs> like if oh, you if it was here. shot as a dream, if it was like if he intended it to be a dream and he intended it to be comforting. Then he fucked up as a director because he made it so ambiguous. Like he didn't he didn't tell the audience that it was a dream. True. There's, but there's, I interpreted it that way. Right. You interpreted it that way, but most don't. Uh-huh. Which means he fucked up as a director. Okay. If that was his intention. If his intention was just for like meaningless ambiguity to be at the end of a movie, so you walk out being like, what does that mean? Like, then he also fucked up as as a writer. <laughs> because that's dumb. Oh, poor Jeff Nichols. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Jeff Nichols is doing just fine. I would say so. Mm-hmm. I've pretty much liked all of his movies. I yeah, mean, I thought Loving. You want to talk about laborious and predictable? Loving is one of the worst movies. I, I want the worst like prestige dramas huh. that isn't like Trumbo or like that isn't just blatantly artless. Like there's something he's attempting with Loving. I just think it's so bad. Wow. Yeah. I I I found it really interesting. Like I know you and Bill Ackerman kind of like didn't respond to that movie at all. Whereas like me and Zach Batante were like, this is a really beautiful, really sweet movie from him. Too. It's all posture. There's no depth to that movie at all. Wow. Like the story is the exact story you expect, but it's just like, well, what if it happened to people who never emoted? Like, that's just not interesting. I guess I don't mind people who don't emote even in movies. You like, <laughs> you like to say, I don't, I don't mind blank, but that's not the same as saying something is good. <laughs> like I'm interpreting it as good. <laughs> like what I don't, is, I don't so mind. Why is that movie better for having like just <sighs> a completely dead, no chemistry, non-emotive romance at the center of it? Wow. I guess I just didn't. I didn't see it that way. I didn't see it as that's fair. A, you know, I felt the connection between the two people. Mm-hmm. You know, and What's maybe the name of that guy your... who's the lead of loving. Joel Edgerton. Yeah, that guy's really bad. I, I everything I've seen of him, I don't like. So it might be a Joel Edgerton thing. He's very subdued, and pretty much everything. 
Uh, Midnight well, Special. He's not that subdued in The Gift. He's just oh, terrible. Yeah. Like that movie is also like one of the worst movies ever. So I think I'm really wow. just not into Joel Edgerton. I don't think it's that bad. That it... movie is so obnoxious. That movie is so terrible. Hmm. Is so ridiculous, but also like really rigidly not fun. <laughs> like it, it, it does not want you to have fun with how stupid it is. I don't know. I like. I just thought it was like a one of those. Hand that rocks the cradle, cheap knockoff kind of movies. I really. wish it was. That would be so much fun. But it's like a, it's just, it's like, what if one of those movies was twice as dumb as the hand that rocks the cradle, but took itself twice as seriously? Mm, I guess. But then again, I find femme fatale fun, so I don't know. I'm, I'm weird. I mean, that movie at least is weird. <laughs> that movie is like legitimate. Like I think that movie's bad as well. But like that movie, I at least see what people see in it because it has a weird sense of humor and it's just aggressively bizarre. Yeah. Um, whatever. I don't think I'm into Joel Edgerton, and I think it's making him the lead of loving. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I also I didn't. What was that movie? He was like the lead in that people were going nuts over. That was like a sort of art house horror movie. It comes at night or something. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, I have no interest in that. I don't think you'd like it. Yeah. It moves very slow. Yeah. I like slow. I mean, uh, yeah, I know. Don't don't, don't don't paint me as someone who doesn't like <laughs> slow things. Just laborious is a different adjective. Hmm. Um, I need to find, I need to see a laborious movie. I mean, well, you, can you think of a movie that you? Just... I'm trying to think. That's what I was trying to do. I was like, hmm, what have I seen in recently? That I'm just like, man, come on already, get going, get to it. I mean, I can I can name a I can name a movie <laughs> I can name a movie, but it's because I've been, I've just been uh, watching some like classic art house gay porn. So, like, oh, okay. well, I find all porn laborious because the well, sex scenes true. are just, like, if you're not sitting there trying to get off, the sex scenes are just, like, all right, cool. But you even found Paris, Texas to be laborious, and I'm like... I, there's a lot I don't like about Paris, Texas, but, yes. Oh, my yes, God, what's I happening? Find, I find Paris, Texas to be... Uh, that's another kind of... Yeah, I think, I think Paris, Texas is a good counterpart uh, in terms of a main character that I don't find the least bit compelling, uh, hmm. who, who is just too blank... To be compelling. That's to what me. I find compelling about. Yeah, them. I don't. I don't. I'm trying to think of a movie where I find blankness compelling. Like what's it like? Critic like people. I don't think like this when it came out, but people came around on the man who wasn't there. The Coen Brothers, uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, as yeah, Mike D'Angelo loves that. Yeah, like I think a lot of people have come around and being like that movie's actually really like that's another movie where the blankness of the lead character just kills me. You're you're right about that one. That one I was really so. Surprised. Was it? What's the difference for you? I don't know. Like I just. That movie, I don't know. I, I I was that's what I want to like read. Like, why do people love it so much? Because I kind of went, eh, like almost. You you felt that way a little bit about Inside Lou and Davis was just like mm -hmm. typical Coen Brothers. Eh, okay, fine. Yeah, but that's how I felt about Man Who Wasn't There. I was kind of like, I just didn't really care about him. And and any Lou and Davis is not a blank character though. No, just to no, make the no, distinction. But, yeah, but it's just like I sh a Coen Brothers movie. I shrugged off. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, why don't, why, why did I feel Are that way? Are they still making movies? Did they stop? No, they're making a TV show. What? I think a Western or something, maybe. Ugh. God. A miniseries. Hopefully, it'll probably uh, be on it's Netflix a miniseries, maybe. Of some I'll... kind, you know. If it's a miniseries, that's, that to me is a different thing than a TV show. Yeah, I'm okay with, if that's the direction some directors decide to go, like a guy like Keith Gordon, that's where he should, I hope that happens for Sure. Him, you know, like there's some directors I'm like, if you wind up making a show for Amazon Prime, more power to what you. What if Craig Brewer made like a six episode oh. fucking like Atlanta rap ass uh, movie? 
or miniseries. That'd be great. That's yeah. exactly where, like, Craig Brewer with his feeling for world and for, for detail and music and stuff like that, like, that's where he belongs. You know what show is giving Legion a run for its money is Atlanta. Mm-hmm. My lord. Mm-hmm. It's good. Trust me on this one. It's good. I don't trust anyone. <laughs> this is, so just don't take it personally. I don't trust anyone on their opinions about TV. Right. You know what's really good? Hmm. Uh, Lucha Underground. Wrestling. Now that's good old entertainment. You want to talk about serialized storytelling that never wastes your time. Let's talk about professional fucking wrestling. Never wow. mind. Oh my goodness. Lucha Underground's very good though. I know. There's a lot of things people there's a lot of niche things that mm-hmm. people tell me about. Video games, sure. wrestling. Video um, games is not a niche thing. That's just well, like a whole Yeah, 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 I guess. <laughs> but like specific it's games. It's like a multi billion like, dollar this industry. Fortnite. Is it Fortnite? Fortnite is what all the kids want to play. Because oh, okay. that's free to play. So ah. you can just download Fortnite and play it now if you want it. No, that's okay. You don't need to. I don't want to get suckered into some things, mm-hmm. you know? I'm 40. Yeah. I'm 40 years old, you know? I mean, seriously. Almost. You're not quite. Uh, we got, we got like four hours. What are we going to do until then, Patrick? I think we have a game to play. <gasps> what? A game? That's right. Actually, I'm going to use the restroom real quick. Okay. And then I'll introduce That sounds like a fun game. Yeah. Jim, we know each other, we know each other's taste in movies, but how well do we know the movies that we claim to love? Here's how we're going to find out. What we did was we went through each other's lists of favorite films. I personally, I went through your top 100 films, plus a few others that you rated five stars. That was my criteria for films I selected. Did you basically do the same? Um, Yeah, there might be a couple in there that are thrown in that I'm pretty sure are favorites, even though they weren't on your list. Sure, fair enough. So here's how it works. We went and then we took a sample of the film's score or some music from the film that is very memorable. And we want to know if someone can guess the film from the music. But here is the key. The the segment of score that we have chosen is extremely small. Um, so here's how the game is going to work. I'm going to present you with a piece of a score This piece is somewhere in between 0.5 seconds to 0.7 seconds, maybe a full second if it's a particularly slow piece of music, but it's a very tiny piece of the score. You're going to hear it, and maybe your sense memory, it'll come rushing back to you like Proust, and you'll suddenly (laughs) be like, holy shit, that's jackass number two. Um, that's not one of your movies, by the way. I, I was, I was going to be surprised. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. uh, okay. I would recognize uh, Corona, the opening slide guitar from Minutemen's Corona anywhere, though. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, if you cannot guess it off of this first very tiny bit of the score, there is a larger section, but still quite small, section of the score to hear. The first section of the score is worth seven points. 
Oh yeah, I better keep. Track. I have a, I have oh, right here. Oh, I can okay. keep track. So the first, if you can get it off the smallest possible section of the of the music, that is worth seven points. This slightly larger section is worth five points. If you still can't get it, then we will very shamefully play you about a 10 to 15 second clip of the music and see if you can get it from that. If you still can't get it from that, then you're a real, as Dummy. the, yeah, as the uh, little pin games at Cracker Barrel like to say, Ignoramus. Oh, wow. Cracker Barrel sounds good. So, Jim, <laughs> I have my list of songs right here. You have your songs. You have a computer that you have all synced up. Um, uh, we got Patrick and we got Jim. You know, it's your birthday. Who do you want to go first? Oh, my gosh. I can't decide. I hope the volume's loud enough for this. Okay. Um, this is tough. Now, now, when you presented this game to me, I will say, I instantly said, oh, I'll definitely lose that. I, I am, so here's my prediction. My prediction is I will get zero of the really small pieces I might get one of the second smallest piece, and then I think I have a good chance of guessing many of the full segments. But I really, I'm just, I, this is not my sort of thing. I don't really listen to film scores, so my guess is that you are going to but, cream me. But you watch movies. I do watch movies once, and then I'll watch them maybe five years later is the thing. Mm. I don't watch movies. There's only just, a few movies I watch every of, year. of one podcast episode where you're like, you ever watch a movie so much that you just memorize the sounds? Yes, and every movie I could tell you that, that is the case is either a movie I covered for Tracks of the Dam, so I watch it like 17 times within a month. Oh, I didn't think of that. that or hmm. or it's a movie I, I had on videotape when I was eight, and I would oh just watch. I would watch literally anything 18 times. I literally saw Jurassic Park, The Lost World 17 times. I bet if you'd chosen vice versa... I might even I might have gotten it. Yeah, that's yeah. If I or like if I Last had, Starfighter. Or, you know, I don't, yeah. I'm not going to tell you what's on this list. Um, <gasps> oh yeah, you're not going to you're not going to weasel any of these names out of me beforehand. Um, it is your birthday though, Jim. I think I want you to go first because I want you to experience this. this okay, is fun. This is um, fun. Just so just so you know, sure right I'm going to need to hear the smallest sections. I'm going to need to hear them multiple times right off. There's, I don't well, think I'm ever going to hear them on once. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So go ahead and play it, and then I'll just ask you to play it again. <laughs> uh, once more. Okay, so this sounds this sounds like a, a sort of weird Asian film, maybe. Uh, uh, play for me once more. Yeah, like uh, that. Yeah, that to me uh, says says like fucking. I'm I'm not. This isn't my official get. By the way, I can guess wrong and then still hear the lar the longer segment, right? Like I don't need to. Come yeah, of up course. With a final answer. Of course, okay. right? Yeah. So I'm gonna say right now, my guess is "Woman in the Dunes." Incorrect. Okay, let's hear the longer one. I confirming my feeling this is a Japanese film, uh, and you're making a face that they, tells me it isn't, but I can't I can't think of what it would be. Uh, play that once again. Okay, okay. I I know this is a surprise, but oh, is this the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh, yeah! Okay, yeah. All right. Very there cool. are there are Asian percussive instruments, so yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and tell me I, tell I, myself. I was very surprised. Of going through that score, most of it's atonal, dissonant, weird sounds, you know. By not, Mr. Toby Hooper himself. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of it's uh, 
I mean, and I also I don't know if I could find the part right after we see um, Leatherface for the first time close the door. The sound after. Oh yeah, that sort of droning. <laughs> You know what? You know it has a that. great sort of early electronic uh, analog synth, uh, weird vibrations kind of soundtrack is "Eaten Alive," the film he made after the Texas oh. Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, that yeah. score is dope. All right, Jim, let's My go turn? ahead and start with yours. This is going to be song A, uh, short. Song A, short. So clearly, a Martin Short song. Paris, Texas. Okay, very good. <laughs> I will say, I didn't know how hard to make these. Well, but that I, I tried to pick ones that you had is, a, would have a reasonable. Yeah, we'll play the full thing. Too. Let's play the full. Let's go ahead and play the full thing. Good old Ry Cooter. Is that Ry Cooter? going to make a dirty joke. All right, Ry Cooter <laughs> with Ferris, Texas. Um, okay. Let's play the full Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh, clip yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I forgot. Let's do that. Sound clip one, full. Is this the opening credits where they're, like, zooming out on the corpse on the tombstone? Maybe. Or is this, or is this the opening credits where they're, like, showing the solar flares? I can't remember. Or is this the shot... Of God, that movie is nothing but the greatest shots of horror movie history. Or the shot of like a Leatherface kind of like freaking out yeah. and like running his tongue around his lips, I think maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I, I just looked it up on YouTube as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre score, not the yeah. movie. But sure, sure, sure. I can't remember when that plays. Oh, uh, that's, that's a good score. Okay, Let's... so it's your turn. All correct? right. Yes. So this uh, would be a clip two short. Yes. Okay, well that's Rushmore. Okay, that well, was uh, yeah. <laughs> that was. I guess that was more obvious than I I initially thought. But okay. Rushmore is a film we covered in my film class in high school. So this is another film I watched like eight times over the course of two weeks. Also, and Such several times score. since then, it's really good. Yeah. Mark Mothersbaugh, was this his first like orchestrated film score? That's a good question. I don't know. Did he do Bottle Rock? I don't I, think he did. Maybe, maybe it's because like I can't imagine myself doing it that it just seems like magic to me. But like <laughs> between, but like when I listen to, for example, like uh, fuck, what's his what's his name? Danny Elfman's Pee Wee's Big Adventure score. Oh man, I think of that and I listen to it and I think like this person had this person composed for symphonies before. Like how did he do that with all the strings and everything? Like how does that sound like that? That's insane. Well, to me. he did compose music for sliders. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He probably learned everything he knew from sliders, then slid back in time to the eighties and Quicksilver highway directed by Mick Garris. Um, which Mark, I've, Oh, Mark mother's bow, which I've, yeah. Okay. Which, which I've wanted to see just because, I don't know. It sounds interesting. It has the body politic. It has an yes, adaptation of one it. of my favorite Clive Barker short yes, stories. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I'm sure in the hands of the lovely Mick Garris, it's probably very good. Uh, <laughs> good, good. He's such a nice guy, though. That's the thing. It's like very I listen to, his, listen to his podcast with you know, man. You know the thing, though? He'd have to be, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. He's he can't. He's not like John Carpenter, where he's literally the the greatest director ever. So he can just be an old grump. Like he has to be the most gregarious, charming man ever. But 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 Critters Two is pretty good. All right, so let's go with Song B, short. What? 
I thought you loved this movie, <laughs> Jim. What's wrong? Hmm. Go ahead once more. What? Uh, give me your thoughts. What kind of movie this is? I want to see uh, how close you're getting. Uh. Well, I'm saying class. I'm saying classic, maybe from. Yeah, from the early early days of film. <laughs> no. Yes, uh, it's 50s. a silent film. No, fifty, maybe fifty. Yes. Um, my 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 first guess mm-hmm. is Rio Bravo, but mm-hmm. I don't know how confident I feel about that. It does it does have a Western feel to it. Yeah, it's it just, just like a. You know, I don't know. There's like that. you can hear the percussion. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll just I'll just guess Rio Bravo. No. Mm. Okay. Well, now I have to listen to to a uh, song. A song be long. Okay. See, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. That's it. That's okay. It's only slightly yeah. longer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I that one this one's a little harder. Yeah. Um I, I am curious if you'll get it with the full one, but if you want to hear the long again. And maybe it's just because I selected this music. Like I for me, I hear that and I can instantly finish how the rest of the melody goes. I'm trying to think of what other Oh well yeah. I guess I was thinking of what what other westerns do I love besides, you know, Tombstone, Unforgiven, mm-hmm. and like what would be my top one hundred? And honestly, it's it, this. I'm gonna feel silly for not getting this on the short since it is now declared as my favorite movie of all time, The Treasure of Sierra Madre. You are correct. Oh my god! <laughs> I do feel silly now for not getting that right away. Let's go but, ahead and listen to the full version of The Treasure oh, of Sierra man. Madre. Yeah, this is. Probably the opening credits, or uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Those older films are a little trickier. Yeah, because the music, the music doesn't underscore so much action. It's mostly transitional. You're right. Yeah. So yeah. you don't get the same kind of late motifs. So this puts us tied, isn't it? We are tied. Oh I'm gosh. surprised. Okay. Um. So we're at number three for you. Hmm. Okay. Um, here we go. Well, that that went on way too. That was pretty long. I know. I was like thinking. I, I was. A uh, that's generous, not. It's but... not. It's not. It's not too long though, because I don't have a good idea. Uh, can I hear it again? Oh, okay. So my feeling is this is. Either, no, it's not Duke of Burgundy because Duke of Burgundy is a little more more Baroque. The music. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's play it again. Well, this could be like in a classical period piece or something. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like you make the clip longer because it's a little slower. Yeah, you're getting less notes, so you. I don't know. Uh, I'm just uh, <laughs> trying to see if I could project the rest of it without having to go to the longer clip. Um, I'm going to hear it once more, and then I'm going to make a pl- preliminary guess. 
little sad. It is a little sad. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Shit, but everything I throw out there, I don't think is right. I just don't want to waste it. Uh, mm, it is. I don't know. Go to the longer one. So this is. That's about the same length, but it's a different part. That's enough, though. Like, I can put it together. Yeah, I, I guess, right. Um, You know what? Just, put, just give me the full. You sure? I'm real. It's really not coming to me. Like, it's familiar. I've definitely... Oh. Ooh, now, now it's... Now it's feeling good. Uh, God, the funny thing is, like, I just keep thinking of movies you like. Like, I just keep thinking, like, is this is this from Phantom Thread? Is this from The Master? Like, <laughs> well, that would have been good choices too. Might have surprised you. Yeah, I feel like cruel the... if you chose movies that I hated. <laughs> um, you don't hate those movies. I don't. I don't hate those movies, but I'm just not into them. Uh, it's like a transitional thing. It's it's like title. It's like a title. I don't think it's the main title. No, it's not the main titles, but it's like, uh, it's 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 sort of like transitioning. All right, my only yeah, I guess my guess is Duke of Burgundy. Oh my god! Okay, you should have went with your instincts. Yeah, should have went with my instinct. It came to me, and I watched the movie recently enough, which is why it was familiar. So I get three points at least. And I need to rewatch it again because it's been a while. All right, I think I think this. This is a, it's a good, this is, I should have went with my instincts on this one. I'll probably rewatch this again and go like, yeah, this probably is better than Phantom Thread. I was thinking of like the psych, (laughs) the sort of psych rock, uh, sort of, or the psych folk, uh, cat's eyes sort of music from the opening. I didn't want to go with that. Yeah, no, that would have been very, that would have been a giveaway, but this was good. You got me there. Uh, now let's see if you can get me. I I think this is going to be a slam dunk for you. I think this is a seven pointer easily. Really? Yes. Oh, we're we're on C now. We are on C. Okay. Short. Wait a minute. That's too. Sh- okay. Let me hear it again. I made it so short because it's so obvious. Oh, don't do that, man. Uh, Well, we were going with what they did on Uh, Film Junk, and you, granted, you've been giving me way more time. I couldn't believe Jay didn't get after hours. Still, just like I and I and to be fair, I gave you most of these examples. I gave you more time than they gave. Um, This one, like beep. Yeah, like I tried to this one. I well, this is our first time doing this too. I didn't want to make it like. Oh, did they do that a lot? Huh? Do they do that? I don't. I didn't know if that was a regular game for them. Um, they do it a few times. Okay, they've done it a few times. Um, I think if you just think about gym movies and listen to oh. this. But it's just one. But it's a symphony note. <laughs> it's just it listen be... it a couple more times, just in a rapid fire. Just. You know what? Maybe there's not enough context. This, this. Sorry. Uh, Second one, you're definitely gonna get though. Okay. Yeah, I just. I. Fi- hmm. <laughs> what key is that in? Uh. If you figure it out through key, and now we're going to the long. Hmm. 
<laughs> I thought this was going to be... I thought I was making this too easy. I apologize. Oh, my God. I think you really... No, just gotta, gotta, you gotta, you, I mean, focus less on the right. music and more like what move what your of your favorite movies you could insert this into an orchestra that i <laughs> i guarantee you you've li listened to this score on its own a lot and someone who is listening knows i know someone who is listening knows <laughs> Oh, God. I apologize. I thought this was going to be too easy, so. Okay, 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 okay. I think I may have made my selections harder than you made yours, so could, I'll, let, I'll state that for the record. How could two notes, the same it's notes. It's just be a very specific kind. Like, this, mm -hmm. this composer of this arranges a very specific kind of orchestra. I don't know. You love this, you love this composer. Okay. Like, so. this is your shit. Like, this song, this music is so you. <laughs> well, um, I, that's why I thought, because I, I guess my, I, my biggest influence is, or one of them anyway, is John Bryan. Mm hmm. But is it, it Eternal Sun? Listen to it again. Punch Run Club. Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> God. It's almost like You're I still... know it. It's but brain. Yeah, yeah. That, I think spit it out. I think that's what makes this game fun, right? Yeah. Uh, but let's go ahead and play me, the full thing. It also makes me hate my. I, brain. I knew because if I did any longer, you would instantly get it. Yeah. Well, now now that I see, I hear a progression. Yeah. Not just two notes. Well, yeah. yeah. Now I can hear it. All right, now I'm going to tell again. you right now. I'm gonna, if you had that much trouble with this one, I made them too hard. <laughs> uh, well, maybe. Um, All right. I didn't. Okay. Let's. Let, I mean, you're still beating me. It's so kind of interesting. Okay. This I, is... Maybe this is. You know, you're golfing with a handicap here, because or I, I have the handicap, which is you. You took it easier on me. I'm trying. Yeah. Oh, I know that. Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> oh, I know that. Now, now you're having my reaction. Oh, once more. Oh, man. Wait. Oh, so it sounds... It's I, So, like, first thing that comes to mind is 400 Blows or something along those lines. You know, like that sort of era hmm. French... But I, I don't think it's that. I think it's because it sounds like sampled, right? It doesn't sound like unclean. Huh. I guess I hadn't thought of that, yeah. Like, listen to it. Like, you hear the record hiss. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, who would do that? <laughs> uh, uh, here's, the, here's what's going to drive me crazy. I feel I'm going to listen to the full thing and still not get it. Uh, no, I think. Once more. All right. McCabe and Mrs. Miller, because that's all I know. I know the three songs that are the music in McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and it's not any of those. Um, 
God, do it longer. Do the longer one. Oops. It's not 400 blows, right? No. I could tell from your face it's not 400 blows. It sounds like fucking, uh, what's her name? Uh... Grimes. <laughs> like it sounds wow. like early Grimes. Yeah, I guess so. I don't I don't know what Grimes sounds like now, but I have Grimes' first album and she did a lot of like sampling folk like three second bits of folk music. But now is... that I think about it, I don't know if this is one of your all time favorites. That's fair. It's, I know the music, so I think this is totally valid. Um I'm going nuts. I'm my Oh, and I can like feel the fucking like sunlight and the yeah, <laughs> and like it's it's so evocative. Like that's the worst part is it's so evocative of a film. Like you, it doesn't sound like something that you're listening to on its own. It sounds like something that's accompanying some like very yeah, romantic. Yeah. Uh, on the right track, but I also, I guess I didn't choose the most obvious track from from this. But it's it's obvious enough that I instantly knew that I knew it. Uh, like it feels like. Maybe it's like the kind of movie that I don't, it's not from once, but it's like, it's, it's like, huh. feels like that kind of movie, that kind of sensibility. I'm trying to think of like movies like that, that I like, like I, like I would believe it being an eternal sunshine, but I'm not, I don't think I'm a big fan of eternal sunshine. I don't think you would pick that movie. Um, I, but it's, it's like that sort of indie Romance, like someone's whispering something very profound over this fucking. Oh, I'm so mad right now. I love you, Patrick. Yeah, I just. I love you, Patrick. We'll always be together in the sand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's not Garden State. Uh, yeah, I know. Like, like I, it's there's a bunch of movies that come to mind, but I know those scores well enough to be like, this is an upstream color. Yeah. You're right. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, fuck it. Show me the show me the full length. So pretty. It's really nice. I'm going to be really mad cuz it's not coming to me the way I want it to. Oh god, yeah, like I know this. Uh, I'm so pissed. No, just tell me. It's the same composer as the last one. What was the last one? I forget. <laughs> it's the same composer of Duke of Burgundy? Uh, no, I, no, as the one, the last one for me. Oh, it's John Bryan. What's my, like, John Bryan movie? I, like? I don't know. What is it? I thought you liked Eternal Sunshine. It is Eternal <laughs> Sunshine, isn't it? Yes, I, it no, is. Eternal Sunshine is a movie I've I loved when I was in high school and I've like turned on because I think Clementine's oh. a bad character and I think Jim Carrey's miscast. Oh my god, that's all right. No, I mean I knew it. Like I well, should. I'm, I watched Eternal Sunshine. I've seen it at least six times. Speaking of like ten years ago when I played a house show and I included like a lyric in one of my songs as like Eternal Sunshine's one of my favorite movies, uh -huh. and you were like, yeah, yeah, I believe it. I believe like that's where I was ago. ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know what? It's totally still, fair. It's, a, it's damn good. Okay, um <laughs> I think I think that movie suffers in comparison to movies that inspired it and it also just has some it has some weird like gender stuff that I'm like Okay. But whatever. But all, you said 
First, you said French. Uh huh. And I was like, Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I was all, I was French. I didn't realize John Bryan did the. That makes sense. But, and, um. Uh, yeah. And then you said sunlight. And I was like, <clears throat> That gets a big fat zero from. And let's go ahead and tally up what the scores are I'm, right now. I'm positive I'm, you'll get the next one. I'm sitting at 15. Uh, oh, no, no. Let, you have to do one more round and then we'll tally up the scores. Okay. Um, what, what are we at? Four? Five? five? We are at four. And I'm going to say. If that last one was hard, I apologize. <laughs> Shit. Eternal <laughs> <laughs> Sunshine. Oh, also, we have backups. Did you make back? Did you do yeah, backups, got, or you I just got, did ten? I got, I got one. Oh, we didn't. We didn't mention this, but if we do a movie that the other person does, then we'll oh, go yeah, to yeah, the backup. Yeah, that would be interesting if that happened. Oh, D. Uh, yeah, D. A, or no, B, well, C, D. Well, no, because that's mine. Uh, oh yeah, no, yeah, yes, that's right, D. Short. Wait, what the fuck? That's so bad. You know what? I'm gonna give you seven points for the long one. Just, just start with the no. long one. What? You hum the notes. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't even. You don't even get the full second note. Just start with the long one. I'll give you seven points for the long one. <laughs> Oh my god. What? I only picked movies that were in your top 100 or that you rated 5 stars. <laughs> this is terrible. Ugh. This is like the it's a very memorable score. This is the most memorable part of the score. So I thought I I could get away with it being so short, but I'm going to say this is worth seven points. Oh, jeez. No. Mm-hmm. Is it an older, old film? Older? It sounds it, doesn't it? Like, that's a cello, right? That's a... Yeah. And that's like a single cello. Like, I feel like modern scores tend towards sort of soundscapes mm-hmm. and... Atmospheric stuff. This is a melody. Someone knows this, by the way, because it is the most memorable music score. But let's go ahead. Go with the full, and I'll give you five points for the full if you can get that. Uh, I better. Wait, what? Okay, just sorry, folks. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> What is this? Oh my god. Wow. It's is a very it, it's I am striking shocked. music. Yeah, I'm shocked right. I'm having a you moment with the Eternal Sunshine now. Uh I don't know. Uh do you recognize it in some way or are you completely lost? I don't know why I'm thinking Hitchcock, but I mean, that sounds like something that right. I know yeah. why you're. I know why you're thinking Hitchcock. Uh, I'll tell you, it's not Hitchcock. Uh, okay. Everyone knows it. They're all laughing at you. I know. Well, this happened to Film Junk too. So I don't. Know. <sighs> They're laughing at you. I'm 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 at a loss. This this time you got me. They're all gonna laugh at you. 
It's Carrie. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's the it's she's walking up to the stage. She just got Really? Or no, it's Sue seeing the the line going up to the bucket with the blood on it. Yeah. Oh. Let's hear it one more time. It's so good. Oh my god. I forget the name of this composer, but he's so good. There's a reason why you thought Hitchcock, my friend. Yeah. Is this in your top 100, or did you give it five stars? I forget. I think this is in your top 100. It should be. Yeah, I think it is. So, because we both had bad round fours, where it's currently standing is you have 17 points and I have 15. So don't you feel too bad. You still have a sizable uh, lead on me. Okay. Um, I, I think this one is pretty good, pretty easy. Okay, I think. five short. Yeah. Ooh, I like it, whatever it is. <laughs> I do too. Hit again. Ooh, what is this? No, is somebody chasing you? I don't know. Once more. That's a good. That's good. I don't know what that is, but that's good. Give me the longer one. Okay. Oh wait, now I wait. Yeah, I now I, I'm more confused. <laughs> I thought I had a handle on it, but this is all sorts of strange. At least I have like a good idea of the era because this is clearly like electronic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hit it again. Oh, is that? Now here's the thing. Now, here's the thing, my friend. <laughs> That's the Alec Baldwin podcast. I Is that Scream? All right. Let's hear that full I, one. I feel like the whole, like the fake chorus. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a dead giveaway. I, I don't remember the part with the, squee the screech, though. I don't either. This is some like, yeah, transitional, like the yeah. town, the yeah. sound that dreaded sundown. Like everyone like, well, that's actually red right hand during that scene. But yeah, yeah. That's, you picked a lesser, you, you picked a good track for that though. I thought so. Because so. that is very evocative of Scream without being like instantly recognizable. That's what I thought. I was like, yeah, that's a good choice, Jim. Good a choice. good choice, Jim. Okay, okay. All right. Now let's see. What's your next one? I, okay. This one, again, I think I met a little short on my clips, but this one you will know. Don't say that. <laughs> I'm just going to say, if you don't get this you... one, Jim, you're a fucking chump. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is silly. Listen to it. Though. Like, this is, if anything's going to bring back sense memory, it's going to be this one. I don't think it's a horror movie. Hmm. This is ridiculous. Wow. Wow. Hit it once more. Maybe. I don't know if. 
I gotta have what kind? What kind of scene is Spielberg? Something Spielberg. It's some kind of. Is it? Is it bringing something to you? I don't know why I'm thinking Close Encounters, but I don't know if I want to make that my guess. You could try it for this one and then hear the longer one. If you wished. And I know Close Encounters is in my top 100, but... You are definitely on the... On, on, on like... You're in the ballpark. Here, it's... You're... you're I'll, I'll just say, you're correct. It's part of the rap at the end credits of Close Encounters Third Kind. <laughs> the rap? Yes. Yeah, so you don't remember the rap... The head, the rap song that said the plot of the movie oh, at the end okay. of Close Encounters of the I Third missed Kind? That. missed that. Making mountains out of mashed potatoes. <laughs> the classic line. I think I have to go long. Okay, go one longer. It is not Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Whoa. Back to the Future? Yes. Oh, Very good. Okay. God, that was painstaking for some reason. Uh, let's hear the full one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those strings. Especially. Is this John Williams? Alan Silvestri. Oh, that's right. I'm actually I showing, didn't know that because I had to find the music. I'm showing this in my film studies class actually right now because um, my student never seen it before. I'm like, oh, <gasps> welcome. You could teach screenwriting. Welcome. You could teach welcome screenwriting with uh, Back to the Future. That's no, a... this one, this is film studies. Oh, okay. This is different actually. But oh, it's so, it makes me so happy. I'm watching this movie for the nine millionth time and sure. I'm seeing things I have never noticed before. Because you're now you're watching in terms of like shit, I gotta find things to talk about with this kid. Yeah, that's that's true. But yeah, you have like a different I was like, there's a Toyota commercial on the radio. And then later when Marty sees that big two by four truck, it's a Toyota. All right, well that's that sounds <laughs> more like product placement. But... Well, true. It's product placement, but I never noticed the Toyota dealership in the background by the porno movie theater before. Mm -hmm. Have you seen it on the big screen? Yeah, I'm that to sure me I've that had. to me is always where I like see pick up on like little details that I never noticed before. It's like when I see it on the big screen, I'm like, oh, that's weird. Okay, yeah, I forgot that that room looked like that. Nick is showing. Um, he's having a Zemeckis summer this this summer with uh, used cars and um, Roger Rabbit, I believe, maybe, mm -hmm. and uh, Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. Maybe another one. Okay. Christmas um, Carol. Of course. Uh, classic summer film. We, You are still two points ahead of me, so I think oh. maybe I chose the right length for the clips as far as keeping this competitive. True. This We're still neck and neck. Okay. Here we go. For you, it is sound clip number six, short. Yeah, Temple of Doom. Ah, very good, very good. I figured... That I could have gotten it with half the notes. <laughs> yeah. If I heard the the applause and dun dun, that would have been all I needed. Oh. That's my favorite version. Uh, well, it's not my favorite. My favorite version is the one that uh, Cole Porter sings himself on the piano. But sure. like my second favorite version of one of my favorite songs of all time, "Anything Goes." Was isn't this one of the movies you mentioned as being one you kind of know? Yes, this is yeah. a this is I know. I I recognized the crowd before the music started. <laughs> Oh, what a mission statement. Made me want to rewatch it, that's for sure. And uh, skip over the bugs. I can't, I can't do that. Good point. All right, so now, let's see. 
You got one. You got a big one. <laughs> this is unfair. You know what? I'm going to give you... Don't give me extra points. What? All right. Well, okay. I'm just going to... We'll see how you react to song F short. Uh, but I Song F short? Oh, wait. Yes. That's where we're at. <laughs> Sorry. That's the file. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's are, the name. That's again? your favorite movie, Song F Short. I thought you were gonna, Short Term 12. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know. It says zero seconds. I'm, okay. <laughs> Come on. You, I, I, you just think about it for a second. Hit it again. It's just... <laughs> uh, this just gets ridiculous as it goes along. Hmm. It's a single piano note, right? It's got to be Ice White Shut. Got Whoa! <laughs> Let's listen to the full. I thought this was composed for the movie, but it's actually a piece of huh. uh, uh, classical music. That's why I knew, like, if I included two notes, you would instantly know it. Yeah. Wow. My parents' least favorite score of all time. <laughs> they came home from this movie going, okay, it was a terrible movie, but worst score ever. What's funny is I, I, I was listening to what the other music in that movie is, and there's a lot of music in it that's good. Yeah, I mean, no, I, mean, I, mean I think that piano piece is also good in terms of where it fits into, but like, there's a lot of just like good-ass classical music that yeah. you associate with Stanley Kubrick movies and that. Oh, for sure. The opening shots and everything. And the... Well, I like that less. I should rewatch Eyes Wide Shut. Last time I saw it, I mostly just found it goofy. I love it. Yeah. I'm weird. Seven? We are on song... Oh, wait. No, because I just did six for you, so now you're doing seven for me. Right. Song okay. seven short. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Again, so, not, again, not too obvious, but. No, it isn't. But if you play it again, I think I will be able to tell you. Oh, no. Okay. <sighs> so my first instinct is Carnival of Souls. Because it is an organ, hmm. but I don't. But like it's, it doesn't have the it doesn't have the tremolo that that you associate with the organ. Oh, good ears. Uh, well, I just Carnival of Souls is one of the few film scores that I've listened to a lot on its own. So, uh, play it once more. So I, I'm definitely having the the mental frisson where I know what this is. Uh, I recognize it. It's a black and white movie for sure. It is maybe it isn't, but I'm pretty sure it's a black and white movie. I'm thinking like a Roger Corman thing or something like that. Um, once more. Yeah, I'm like seeing like a guy like limping down the stairs. Uh, I'm going to guess a bucket of blood. No. Okay, let's go longer. This is creepy. Maybe that is. Is that Carnival Souls? No. Once more. 
<laughs> oh, it's backwards. Oh, there's a little backwards to it. So that implies that maybe it's more modern. Yeah. Uh, go, go. Yeah, let's go with the full. Let's see. What is this? Um, oh. I actually had forgotten that this is... This was this is what opens. Oh, wow. This is like... This is, sounds like 80s. Um, is this... Uh, is this... No, because she's listening to... Over the radio, she's listening to the Dawkins song in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Because she's... Drink, she's like eating coffee grounds, right? And... Or maybe it plays this. Is this Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3? Okay. It sure is. And I didn't remember at all that that's what, how that's the movie good, opens. That's a good, that's a fucking good piece of music. There's good music in that. <laughs> who who did the score? Was it like... I don't know. Because like... To I me, don't remember the guy. Oh, that's right. What? Angelo Badalamenti. Oh, there we go. The David Lynch guy did this. That makes sense. I was thinking this kind of sounds like something from Twin Peaks. Like I... Yeah. Like, you can see, like, reverse footage of, like, flames flickering behind Bob as he starts sneering when that when that heavy uh, note comes in. This is so good. Yeah. All right. So that was what... But, but yeah, I f it's so weird, like, memory, because, like, you'd think the traditional Nightmare on Elm Street score is would open that movie or right. at least, but it's yeah i was no like, well the, what's funny is that that's the piece that opens the movie but the first scene of that but that's over the opening credits the yeah. first scene is her listening to the radio and you hear dream warriors and she's eating coffee grounds and making that paper mache house yes um pretty good all right so now we're going to be on to seven for you or oh no no G. uh g we are on to g for you and this is another this is going to be a hard one. Shit. This is gonna be a hard one. Just for how hard the movie is, let alone the length, I'm gonna again say you can get seven points for the next one if you want to go further. Oh my god. I but yeah, play it again just so people listening at home see if anyone can get it off this. Alright, now go longer. Go longer. God. I'll give you seven points for this. Oh. <laughs> Jim just got like a fucking migraine. Oh, he knows what this is. It's so memorable. It's so memorable. But what movie does it belong to? I know. This is when I want to look at my list. Yeah. I, I gave a quick cursory, cursory glance at my Canon list on Letterboxd before I left for here. But neither of us have like our phones open or anything. No, no. I can't recall if this is in your top 100 or a five-star movie, but it's one of those. God damn. Play it again. It's... Oh. Wow. Is it a horror movie? I, I feel it's not in the spirit of the film okay. for me to answer direct questions. Wow. 
It's memorable though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy I had, I had, I was literally like, I was so oh. at a loss. I could when I was looking at your list of movies or like these movies, oh. I was like trying to figure out what had memorable scores. And then some of these, I was just like, you know what? I don't even remember what the score to this is. <laughs> and I found this one, and I was like, holy shit, that's right. So I also had for, I had the same moment you had, except I was looking at the title. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you I'll give you five points if you can get the full one, because it's not it's not I'm, like it's a dead uh, giveaway. That's just. Mm. <sighs> Wait for it. Oh my god. What's running through your mind? What kind of movie is this? Wow. Wow. I, I don't know what what's images, happening. What images? What tone? What What does this feel like to you? And then the piano comes in. Yeah. A little spooky. A little spooky. Yeah, a little spooky. I'll give you a hint. All right. It's in black and white. That's what I thought. Okay. Well, <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> I think that's the only hint I could give you. Yeah, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. And it's bothering me to no end. <laughs> what are you seeing? Like, what kind of images are you seeing? Oh. Black and white. For sure. Mmm. Not Robert Mitchum, <laughs> but I don't know why I'm thinking. I'm gonna kill myself. Well, I'm, I, I, I can't. <laughs> happy birthday! <It's, laughs> we well, almost made it to forty. <laughs> oh God! No, it's not. Mm -mm. Maybe I just need to watch this one. Do you again. want do you want the sweet release of me saying it to you? Yeah, Hiroshima right. Mon Amour. Oh my god. Play yeah, it again. You're, yeah. Think about think about the images of Hiroshima Mon Amour wow. to this. Although I've watched to be fair, I've watched this only once. Yeah. But still, you're right, you know. To me, like the the like solo piano coming in yeah. just screams French New Wave. Yeah, I was like hoping I could direct you there without yeah, saying yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I could see, I could see what you're saying there. Yeah, damn it. Like I would have if I didn't. I feel like if I didn't know this was Hiroshima Monomore, my first guess would be 400 blows. Yeah, I could, I could. Yeah, it was. Hmm, that's so weird. Memory is weird, isn't it? Brains are weird. This game is agony. <laughs> and um, it, talk about agony. My next two clips don't have folds for some reason. <laughs> so I, really? I think you're going to get... I I have a feeling you'll get these, and I don't know why they're not included. Uh, okay. But that's okay. If I get I, them I, and I remember them, I'll hum the full version. <laughs> How's that? Okay. <laughs> I clearly messed up on this one, folks. So here's the I'll question. I'll, re I'll rectify it. So here's the question. Which Friday the 13th movie? I uh, guess this one was a little too obvious. Like, would you go with? I tried to, I tried to nail it exactly where it's like, but not like. That's that's totally fair. the The question, <laughs> is, the problem is that the first four 
night, uh, Friday the 13th movies have very similar scores. It's not until you get into like the fifth and sixth one where you start introducing others, especially the seventh. Oh, God. Uh, and then especially Jason Goes to Hell, which is just like, what was the one, the one guy on Letterboxd, PD187, said it sounded like Harry Manfredini trying to be Africa Bambata with the orchestra hits. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> so I guess so you got to guess can one. I, can I say Friday 13th, the final chapter? Because you know that's my favorite? Or should I just go with Friday 13th original? And can, do I get credit if it's one well, of those? Yeah, you get credit. I think that's only fair. Which one? First. Okay. Yeah. But it, it clearly this clip didn't turn out the right it way. Goes, <laughs> I think I, I And then it goes <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> what do you want to give me for that multiple guess? Five or seven? Let's go let's go with let's go with five. Okay. Oh yeah, you got a zero for Hiroshima Monomore. I know, I know. I'm dying now. I'm dying. Uh, I'm trying to be better at this. One more for you, and then this one. Oh, two more, right? I? We're at I now? No, we're at H. Uh, maybe you skipped one for me, but we're at H on me. On you. Oh, okay. You know this. Hit it again. Oh my god. What are, what are the instruments you hear? Hit it. What do you hear? Horns. And? Symbol. Yes. You will 100% get it on the next one, which is why this one had to be this short. <laughs> I love it. Um, Mr. Music Man here. <sighs> Mr. One, Music Man. One note. I, I grant, yeah, like, like I said, I made them maybe harder than you made yours, but... That's okay, that's okay. But if you go to the next one, you will fully get it. Are you going to the next one? And yet? we're going to have to play this again. Yeah, we'll play it again sometime. Hit it. Oh, God, how did I not know that? You do know it. Whiplash. Yeah. How did I not know that? Ah, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I listened to the first one, I'm like, of course. <laughs> it had to be that short. <laughs> Man, does that make me mad? Okay, all right. Let's let, let's add up the totals once more. Holy crap! You are at thirty-four, and I am at thirty-five. It's still anyone's <laughs> game. Oh no, this is too scary. Okay. Did you? What's what was seven? I did do seven. That was um, Nightmare on Elm Street three. Okay. Maybe you skipped six or something like that. Maybe. I don't think so. Did I? Because no. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight I've done with you. Oh, and now you're on nine. Okay, no, no. Yes, we're, yes. we're all caught up. We're fine. And apparently this one doesn't have long either. <laughs> but, again, I think I was too nice. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, look, granted, I don't see why I should be punished for you not, your you're sound right. files no, you're getting right. mixed you're up. Right. You're right. This is McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Never heard of it. <laughs> you're right. You were stopping it before Leonard Cohen's voice came in. That's fair. And then... 
<laughs> I think, yeah, I think I didn't know what you were doing by stopping and then playing because it was said it was short or whatever. But yes, I hear now the rain and I could have, I think I could have guessed it was McCabe and Mrs. Miller from the like 15 notes of guitar he hits it within the one second. Mad for a couple of these, I should have known. Fucking whiplash. Oh, okay. Oh man. Well, you're on song I, and I gotta tell you, don't say it again. It's gonna. This is, this is, this is one of the harder ones. The oh, the, the your remaining two are hard. It's the salted caramel root beer. Yeah, it's really doing it to you. Oh my god. I almost feel like I have to step out of the room. Oh, you know what? Oh my god! Can I tell you something just happened? I forgot what we were doing for a second. I thought this was your clip for me, and I got really excited because I was like, "What is this? Oh my god! I think Jim chose the movie that I chose for him." But no, this is my clip for you. Play it again. Oh fuck! I know this so. M oh my god. Oh no! It's not eyes oh. wide shut. No, I know, but play it again. I don't think it's upstream color. It's not upstream color. But, play it again. But oh my god, do I know this? I. You are. You're really there. <laughs> Just say it. Just the, it's right there. Just say it. Oh. You're on the right track. I'm, I'm gonna help you out. You're on the right track. Primer. Yeah, it's primer, my man. Oh. Seven points. I can't believe we did it. Literally, I am one point ahead of you on this. This is crazy. We are so close. People at home, they're losing their minds. The crowds are going insane. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a hard one. I, I'm Wait gonna, a minute. My, the last one for me is hard? The last one for you is hard. I'm going to give you the modifier that you can get seven points on the long clip. Oh, good lord. But go ahead and play the short clip just for funsies. But what you got? I got to do your number ten. You still have one more. Oh, that's right. That's right. Go ahead. Sorry. Let's let's see what this actually is. Well, at least this one has long, short, and full this time. Oh, you do. Okay, cool. I was like, what happened with eight and nine, dude? Shouldn't be that long. That is upstream color. <laughs> yeah. See, we're on the same wavelength. I, I, I see. I thought I, I, went, I, I, I didn't go with, <laughs> you know. I thought I went with a less I, obvious you, choice. I have never played this game before. I, you sent me a clip of the game being played. I submitted my clips thusly. I submitted clips as long as they were on Film Jump. That's true. Next time, if you want to go three seconds on the shortest clip, I will more than be more than happy to oblige. This is so good. I was wondering, like. I was wondering if you were going to do the on the, like if you were do the most the my favorite yeah as as if it what what is the name of that track as if it would have a satisfying conclusion or something like that yeah something like that God that is so funny that he named that God, song I want to interview him so bad anyway it all comes down to this and apparently it's really fucking hard yours were harder but I, I I'm gonna I should have I should have done this a little bit more. I'll, I'll, just to make it more. interesting i'll give you eight points on the full mm. this is this this is that how hard this is Whoops. and then we can go if, if you get if you get this on the full then we can go into our backups oh christ and we'll make this really fun but go ahead on the short 
The backup is supposed to be just for fun. Hold on, let's see. Oh, come on. Go ahead on the long. Try the long. Go ahead in the full. <laughs> this is awful. Wow. This just gives you an idea of what era this is from. This is a harder one. I think you've I'm seen this movie once. I'm surprised that this isn't Treasure of Sierra Madre. Right. Yeah. No. It's you're in. You're closer to that ballpark because you can tell it's like that old Hollywood sort of orchestration. It's not a bad day at Black Rock, is it? You got it. <gasps> you got it, my oh, man. Oh my are, god! I give you eight points for that. Like Holy I said, cow. I would. We are tied. We got to go into our backups. Gonna say. And it's funny because I've I, well, I've seen it twice, but still, yeah. But wow. yeah, that one I was. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe you pulled that out. I had no memory of this music whatsoever. This is, is it just the opening credits? I would assume so. Yeah. I should have shown this in my film studies class. Is this good movie? Yeah. Plus, it's short. I'm I feel like that was an early movies. movie we bonded over. Maybe. I, I feel like you watched it. Did we talk it? about a director's club? I feel We didn't talk about the director, but we, I feel like I watched it and you watched... Like, I feel like we watched it independently of each other, like, oh, yeah. within a short period of time, and we were both just over the moon about Bad Day at Black Rock. So, what is the score? The score is now, uh, now that I've evened things up, the score is now 49 all. Wow. Do you want... Or you want to go to the... I mean, unless you want to say I won... But I think it's more fun if we go to the backups. Okay. Because that was a harder one. Bad Day Black... What I gave you of Bad Day Black Rock, even the full... I'd say the piece of upstream color you gave me is the equivalent of the whole thing of Bad Day Black Rock. <laughs> because it's not like... That's like the famous love theme from Bad Day Black Rock that you hear over and over again. Like, Yeah, but... That's a harder one. I'm going to go ahead and say, backups are harder. Because <laughs> I was like, really... But go ahead and... You got two backups. I do have two backups, just in case. Oh, I have one. You have one. Well, let's just start with the one backup. And why don't I have all clips again? Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Uh... Okay. Well, I... I <laughs> turns out I know it. Really? Yeah. I'm kind of surprised. It's social network. Oh, okay. I th it's just one note, though. But no, the, the the strings in the background. Also, this is a piece that gets used in NPR. For a while, I was listening to... Uh, there was a period of time on This American Life where they would use this fucking score behind, like, every wistful story. Hmm. Um, it's a very... It's a good... It's a good... I'm not a big fan of Social Network. That's a great uh, score. I could have sworn you really like Social Network, at least from my Memories of Fincher episode, but maybe not. I think I turned on... I don't... I think I turned on... Uh, social network maybe after we did Fincher maybe but like I saw I've seen it in the past couple years and I went from like a four and a half kind of movie to like a three three and a half that happens a lot with you yeah I think I, <laughs> I think I uh, I just I think I the second you evolve I think the first time you see a movie and you haven't digested the story you're just sort of experiencing it as a story and I'm really bad at critiquing a story the first time I see it the Maybe second just... time I see it that's when I'm able to be like 
oh, there's like no stakes here, which is my thing for social network. Like, I really don't like this is about someone who became a millionaire instead of a billionaire. Like, that's the full stakes. And also, it's just not an interesting story. Yeah, but again, aesthetically, the score, the the screenplay, the acting. Yeah. All the, all the, it's all very fun. That's why it's like a three and a half star movie for me. It's okay. very fun, okay. but it's just meaningless. So I'm going to go ahead and say, again, the piece of social network you gave me might be the equivalent to the full version of this. <laughs> go ahead and just start with the longer one. If you get it from this, you fucking won. If you get it from the, the next longer, I'll say you won, because this is a harder one. It sounds familiar. Yeah, you've seen it. I think there's someone listening right now who knows this from this. Maybe I don't know them well enough to know whether or not they're like a film score person, but... Wow. Older film again, I think? I don't know. Huh. Again, I'm like almost picturing John Bryan again, but it's not. No, it's older than that. Yeah. Listen to the full version. I think you can pick the decade from this, right? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. You like this movie. We both like this movie. Oh, man. Pretty sure you like this movie. <laughs> I mean, I know you like this movie because it's either in your top 100 or you gave it five stars. But, huh? Play it once more. I know, but oh, wow. Three women? No. Oh, man. I don't know. That is the decade, though. Yeah. You know it's 70s. Yeah. Fuck. You want to make another guess? God, this is actually a way harder than I expected. But I know. I, oh. <laughs> wow. Uh. Damn. Nah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kick myself. I mean, maybe you won't. I think you've seen this movie exactly one time. Walkabout. <sighs> I've seen it twice, but yeah, okay, I can hear it now. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I was thinking initially, like, don't look now for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. But I was going to say, like, like no. I, I think this is, I this I was guessing Bill Ackerman, who I assume is, would listen to this, like, yeah, Bill Ackerman knew probably it. probably screaming. But... Uh, I can't picture Bill Ackerman screaming, but <laughs> like I bet he'd probably do that. But uh, go ahead and listen to my other backup. Yeah. I, I listen to the full version of my other backup. See if you can guess it. This is the hardest one, I think. But it is a movie that you gave five stars that the music is very memorable. So I thought maybe you might have that. Wow. Isn't that good? Sounds like my new album. Really? Like, well, more guitars, but still, it was like 
This is really cool. Isn't it? <laughs> no That's clue. Uh, Trance, or Der Fan, from 1981, the German. Oh, wow. Yeah, totally. Huh. Music in that movie yeah, is really good. good. Good new wave kind of stuff. So I technically won, but... I we can say we're about equal footing. Maybe you, yeah, maybe your I, achievement's I, more impressive given how much harder my pieces were. But no, I just I was very surprised by a few of these Hiroshima and more and uh, God fucking Whiplash. I should have known that. <laughs> I was telling you, like, what are the instruments, Jim? Symbol, <laughs> symbol. <laughs> of course, it's okay though because. Yeah. Sometimes brains aren't our friends, but yeah. I feel good about... I was trying to metagame this whole thing. I was trying to be like, all right, at some point, Carnival of Souls is going to be in here because that is like super... Rare. Or John Carpenter. Or John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. We avoided the... I, I'm surprised. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No John Carpenter. I think maybe you'll go a little harder next time. I'll go a little easier next time. Okay. If we do this again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we should... Um, I mean, we, we'll have a reason to podcast again. Sure, sure. at some point. Yeah, like, uh, what? Film festival or, I don't know, maybe. That'd be nice. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna cover Cinepocalypse again, I think. Am I this yeah, year? I think so. You know it's getting moved up. Yeah. Okay. When? It's like June. July or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Cool. Well, thanks, Patrick. This Absolutely. is a great way to uh, ring in my birthday, and uh, I had a great time. I did too. I, I was. I think I like game shows or any sort of trivia in general. It's a uh -huh. lot of fun. Um, I think. I think we. Uh, I think we challenged ourselves appropriately, but I think you can tell that maybe by um, sound clip seven or eight, I might have gotten sleepy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Maybe we'll, get, just we'll, like... get, we'll get the technical kinks worked out. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. hey, Jim, who's listening to this now because you had to edit in all the sound clips for the people at home listening. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. Okay. I'm happy to do it, and I'm happy that you were here, and uh, we got to uh, celebrate, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, see you all in the future. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some things to look forward to, a couple yeah. of... The Chicago Critics Film Festival, if you're interested in that. Uh, that's When's that starting? Tomorrow. <laughs> at the uh, Music Box you Theater. better as, edit this shit quickly, As Rob. in May 4th. Yeah. Um, yeah but it's running for how long? Two weeks? T ten days. Ten days. Okay. Yeah. So please go to that. Check it out. And um, there's going to be a lot of good stuff, I'm sure, in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to take you to a drive-in. Or did I Did I really take you to a drive-in? We never got to go to the drive-in. That's right. I'm going to go take you to a drive-in. Because it was, it was starting too late. Right. By the time we had to drive back, you would have been too sleepy. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not a driver. Not anymore. Nope. Can't so drive that's no fine. More. That's fine. We'll 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 have some adventures. I would in really store. like to go to a drive-in with you, Jim. You should. And please take as much innuendo as you want from that statement. Oh, I just want to get stoned. <laughs> just that's not where I was going, but sure, man. Let's do it, man. Let's let's fucking um, blaze one up. One of the, one of the few times I got stoned was uh, at a drive-in in Gary, Indiana, seeing. A very Brady sequel and Escape from L.A. Ooh man, that's like a scene from a novel. But, but um, <laughs> then in the far background, you could see on the other screen the island of Doctor Moreau. <laughs> that's that's where you needed to be. Yeah. Well, Escape from L.A. That's a cool movie to see at a drive-in. Well, stoned. Yeah, I guess a little bit. It was fun. If but... you're too if you're too young to have seen like Escape from New York at a drive-in. 
seeing original run Escape from L.A. at a drive-in is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, stoned. It, it, was. it was. And also, like, that is... That's a preferable way to see Escape from L.A. And just kind of like looking and see what the fuck is going on in the <laughs> oh, other right, movie? Yeah. I guess without any context, Dr. Moreau on the other place yeah, is a real trip. Richard you, Stanley is, is trying to fucking mind freak you. Yeah, good stuff. Well, um, that'll do for this wonderful, exciting edition. Uh, thank you all for the support over the years, for supporting Directors Club, mm-hmm. of course, and ex- continuing to support Brad and Al. They're doing a great job. They'll be back. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> this is not <laughs> what Directors Club is now. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure there was there was there was one comment. I was like, um, so, so those guys that used to just ramble on with their friends. Uh, yeah, we each, I'm glad you guys are on now. Yeah, I don't, yeah, Brad and Al, Brad and Al don't ramble, like, they're pretty, I guess, I guess Brad and Al stay on topic at least. Yes, they do. They talk at length, but maybe they, maybe ramble, he meant, uh, go off topic and talk about bread merchandising or whatever the fuck we talked about in the early days of Directors Club. And clearly just talk to our friends, Mm -hmm. our many, many friends. We should, we should podcast with our enemies. Hmm. That's, I think, what we've been missing this whole time is finding people we despise and that would be talking weird. about movies and they're just not enthusiastic. Like that, that one person we had on. Yeah, we'll talk. About <laughs> we don't have to talk about that person. <laughs> but we're gonna have uh, you know some more stuff in the future. Stay tuned to VoicesVisions.net. Now playing Network.net, of course. Patrick will return with his wonderful podcast and uh, yeah, and we greatly look forward to. Uh, Hearing from you all, if you uh, want to drop us a line, find us on the internets. There's places to look, like Letterboxd, right, Patrick? That's where you're at. That's the only place you're at. Yeah, that's that's my only social media thing, but I do review every movie I see. So Very true. Including uh, Falconhead, which is a gay porn I watched the other day, oh, wow. which is like a, if, if Hellraiser was a gay porn. It's like to the point where it's very clear that Clive Barker... Wow. I mean, maybe he didn't see it, but like, uh, Clive Barker is a gay man who's into S&M. He probably fucking saw Falconhead. Hmm. Um, that movie's pretty good. Yeah, I'm probably going to ring in my birthday with Upstream Color again. It just, it's, yeah. you know, I, I don't know why it lifts my spirits, even though it's essentially a pretty depressing, dark, traumatic movie. It is traumatic, but that final image, there yeah, is there is some hope. kind of closure to that final image. There is some kind of, yeah, there's yes. some kind of hope. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, I have very purposely not watched Upstream Color in many years. I think I like putting myself through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I don't I guess actually I showed it like one Christmas to my to my sister and my step uh, my brother in law. They my sister we were all drinking and my sister was like, "What's the best movie ever?" And I say, "Upstream Color. It's on Netflix here." <laughs> I just wow. put it on, and then my yeah, it was. What do they think? Yeah. My uh, my sister fell asleep. People's reactions. My fist, my sister fell asleep, and my uh, brother-in-law is a, a weed smoking type. Thought it was pretty cool. It is pretty cool, man. It is pretty cool. Shane Carruth, you're pretty cool. Shane Carruth, you're pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard some good things about. Oh, whatever. We don't need this. Keep going on. I'm so glad those guys who ramble aren't on Directors Club anymore. Yeah, me too, man. Getting sick of them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, thanks everybody. Stay tuned. Directorsclubpodcast.com, now playing network.net, voicesvisions.net. Um, and Patrick is over on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. I'm over on Letterboxd as now playing Jim. And sometimes I tweet to Melanie Linsky, and that's about it. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's it, right? Yeah. Okay. All good. Lucha Underground. Uh, yeah. It's on Netflix, man. Feel free to wish me happy birthday if you like. Um, it's good, good show. New record coming out. 
in the near future. Oh, that's right. I was recording a new record, <laughs> and then my phone broke, and now I don't have a way to record a new record. Oh, man. Yeah. I guess I could put out the, the record minus, like, the two songs I had left to record, hmm. but I, I really wanted those songs on there. They you really tied the album right together. Now. Just pick up a guitar and start playing. I, I could not, but we probably, <laughs> if you if you lent me use of your phone, I could probably finish that record. I could I know what I could do. What? I could lend you my tablet. Oh, you don't need to do that. No, that's fine. I don't I don't really use it that much, surprisingly. Um, uh, but that's the way to you can use it on GarageBand or whatever. I oh, I can't no, I I well we'll work it out. You, I we, can't believe we're still recording. We can <laughs> work it out. <laughs> it's how'd okay. You guess? How'd you guess that my new record is uh what was that on Rubber Soul? I don't know what that one was on. Maybe it was on Rubber Soul. Revolver. This will be another game show. Hmm, Guess what? that Beatles album. <laughs> yeah, like find the most obscure song on every album and be like, all right, motherfucker. But for real, though, what song was Run Like Hell on? Well, Run Like Hell, you know, is Rubber Soul. Yeah. Uh, we should probably end this. No, it should go on forever. Uh-huh. Just like our other podcasts. Yes. They never ended. Hey, Jim. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Patrick, for being here and being there. And, and everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right.